If you're joining us live on Utreon, you already know this. You know, we are on Utreon, which is U-T-R-E-O-N, so that we can actually hold guns while we're live, because, uh, you know, the YouTubes does not allow us to do that. So if you're listening, if you're listening to this later, got to move that out of the way here. If you're listening to this later and you're wondering, hey, how can I join these guys live? Go to Utreon uh, and, and check us out. Uh, we'll also, we'll put this up on YouTube and we'll rip out the audio and throw it up. That being said, I'm going to jump into the show here. I think this is going to be a very cool show. We have a special guest joining us tonight, and uh, I think you guys will enjoy this conversation. So, And plus, this is the first time we've ever met. So I'm going to press the button here. We're just going to jump into this. So bear with us. Welcome back to the Hank Strange Situation, Lifestyles of the Locked and Loaded. We wouldn't be able to keep the Who Move My Freedom podcast going without the support of great companies like Franklin Armory. Franklin Armory provides 100% U.S.-made firearms and awesome binary option triggers. Their focus and purpose is to provide freedom tools to all Americans, especially those in not-so-free states. So when you're in the market, please consider Franklin Armory. All right, so let's, let's see. We are live here, guys, and we've got... Mickey Shook, right? Did I get it? I think I got it right. Nailed it. You I, nailed it. Lots of training happening behind the scenes in order to make that happen. Of Carrie Trainer joining us. So, Mickey, this is your first time on the show, so you don't know this, but we do this thing called Jazz Hands. We're taking it back from the terrorists. There you go. Even the macho dudes have to do it. We are. You're macho, okay. We are no, live. I'm not, I'm you're not. not. <laughs> you are now. You are now. If you could do jazz hands, you're definitely. It's like a dude who you know when you see those big muscle dudes and they have a little tiny little fifi dog. You ever saw that? That's mm -hmm. macho. That's macho. So mm -hmm. there you go. Uh, we are live. This is episode nine hundred and five of the Who Moved My Freedom podcast. Like I said, our guest is Mickey Shook of Carry Trainer. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, man. How are you doing? Excellent. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the uh, the invitation. Absolutely. This is you know uh, this is this is a big deal. You know, you're a famous. You're a famous, important man, and and uh, you know you've got a lot of followers. Famous in, in my in my own <laughs> garage, maybe. In, in our world, in our world. <laughs> so I I really do appreciate you coming on. Uh, this is one of those. Uh, you know, this is one of those things like I we've I don't think we've ever met before, have we? I don't I don't think so, sir. No, no, I no absolutely not. So, um, you know, we've we've got some people out there that we that we have to thank for that. Right. For making this connection. Uh, I'm trying to remember right now. Lola would be smacking me upside the head if she was here. I want to say it was Seth that uh, it was. Yeah. Seth Landau, yes, sir. Yes, absolutely. Yep. So big thanks to Seth for helping set setting this up. I appreciate 100%. it. Yes, and for I, go I ahead. Think it, I think he he found you because he said we had similar taste in eyewear. <laughs> oh really? Are these the same? No way. <laughs> I don't know. They're close. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm just being an idiot. Yeah. Do, do you have a prescription in there? Because no one thinks I have. People think I wear this so I can look smarter. <laughs> I most definitely would not wear glasses if I didn't have a prescription. That's uh, that is pretty douchey. Yeah, there's people like, oh, I know you're just wearing glasses. No, I'm old. Yes, that's like that's like wearing a back brace or something yeah. to look yeah. cool. Basically, this is how well, I would be looking out, at my I'd be looking at my, my arm sling. 
Oh. For the fuck up I wear an arm sling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't do it. I mean, I'm way sexier. Look, I know you just took your glasses. Look, look at that level oh, wow. of sexiness. Like Clark, Clark Kent to yeah. Superman. I mean, right that's, there. yeah, that's so, you know, I don't, I don't do it for, uh, you know, I don't do it for the grams, as they say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for the people out there, we do have an audience. If you guys have questions, uh, please, you know, let me know your questions here. We'll get into it. But Mickey, just tell us about yourself and Carrie Trainer. how you got into this whole thing. Sure. Uh, male exotic dance instructor. Uh, it's kind of uh, that calling finds you. Um, I got okay, I thought you were like a carpenter or something. Wait, <laughs> let, me go, let me go look at the sheet def- that Lola said. I'm, def- I'm, def- I'm definitely not a male exotic dance instructor. Oh. When you said jazz hands, I'm like, I can make some hay with this. I would never judge, man. I would never judge. Not to your, not, not to your face. <laughs> fifth, fifth generation carpenter. Okay. Uh, been self-employed since the late 90s. And about... 15, 18 years ago or so, I had been involved in shooting, the shooting sports, hunting, that type of stuff my whole life. I'm an Illinois resident. Um, I, I had yeah, children. my apologies for that one. Ah, you know, people say that, but <laughs> the state also is... Uh, yeah. We've the whole state is not terrible. Country. The whole state is not terrible. No. Well, no. and even Chicago, which for all mm-hmm. the bad parts of Chicago, we got some of the finest restaurants, theaters, music venues, and I'm a, I'm a country boy. I'm not a city fan, but... Mm-hmm. Um, the largest outdoor uh, food festival in the world happens there. The largest free blues fest in the world happens there. Some of the largest concerts in the world happen there. So you've got, you know, a lot of cool stuff. Uh, the air and water show, the art museum, the field museum, the, you know, there's, there are some good things that come from it. And our state, most of it is very uh, idyllic farmland mm-hmm. uh, crops and, and dairy and things of that nature. But your question, like, where, where did I come from? I got pissed that I lived in a state, paid a metric load of taxes into uh, the state, and they forbid me from using a firearm for self-defense. Um, a side note that maybe we talk about at some point, uh, as a young kid, a dear family friend was brutally murdered, and not that this is some some topic uh, that that I thought about daily. Well, I did in many ways, but as I got older, I had small children. It pissed me off that I couldn't use a firearm to protect myself. I taught hunter safety, so our state DNR allowed me to teach kids how to use firearms. Uh, like, and I just looked at it pragmatically, like, what the hell? I'm not allowed to do this because our state legislature, uh, which is one of the worst in the country as as far as firearm rights go or rather infringing goes uh, stopped us from having any type of uh, so i became rapidly invested in changing that i ended up running and still preside over a non-for-profit called the right to carry association i ended up as the vice chairman of a political party uh, one of the two you can pick which one it's pretty easy to figure out and i raised funds to help pro pro constitution candidates pro freedom candidates get into office state's attorneys sheriffs uh, people in the state house uh, state senate governor's races right now i'm helping a gentleman in the state of pennsylvania that's running for their state senate I'm, i 
lend some support to people like a candidate that's running in uh, Harris County, Texas, which is the second or third largest sheriff's office in the United States. If you're down that way, vote for Joe Dana. He's a good man. So I got rapidly involved in this quest to change our gun laws. And we, the people, did it, not me. I was one person in a group of many uh, that, that worked very hard to change those laws. And along that same trajectory of firearms rights and all the stuff that goes with that, education, uh, the, the politics, I also am a very avid firearms and combatives student. I've trained thousands of hours uh, as a student in both open hand combative skills. I trained jujitsu and Muay Thai okay. and uh, firearms. So um, both of those things are, you know, some people golf, some people play tennis. I choke people and shoot guns. Right. Yeah. And get cho and get choked. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, that's <laughs> that's the exotic dancer part of that <laughs> scenario. <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely expect you to uh, expect to see you on Joe Rogan. Listen, I grew up in New York City, man. So, you know, I get it. I'm, I'm with where, you. Where about? I actually grew up in Far Rockaway, New York, which is okay. uh, Queens, Queens, technically. It's on the border of uh, Queens and Long Island. So, uh, and I feel, you know, a lot the same way as you, that it's crazy that we, that people live anywhere in America or, or anywhere on the face of the planet and they can't defend themselves. Yeah. It, New York is a perfect example. Most of that state, gorgeous. Uh, most of that state has got awesome people that love family and community. And then you get the politics of a of a cesspool and I'm not calling New York a cesspool. I'm calling the, all the crime, the corruption, yeah. uh, the shit, the shit that goes with a big city. It's what happens when you put people together. It happens in big churches. It happens in big community events. It just, it's what happens. And it, it then directs the outcome for the state. It sucks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You can't, I mean, you know, I was talking about this yesterday. It's, it's so crazy that you grow up in in a place that you cannot defend yourself. Now, lots there's lots of places in the world that you can't do that, and definitely mm -hmm. places in America that you can't do that. And you know, I remember growing up there as a kid and thinking, "Man, I can't defend myself." You know, getting robbed, <laughs> held at gunpoint, knife point, and all that. And I was like, mm -hmm. it's, "It's too damn bad. I can't defend myself." So. And regardless of where your politics are, you know, I think a lot of us, me included, when I was younger, I was more liberal. But that's one thing that I recognize really, really quickly living in a place like that. And it's the it's not necessarily the people who live there, but the politicians and how they run things. And I guess there is some kind of responsibility on the folks who keep voting for these There's politicians. A hundred percent responsibility on those people. That's how our republic is made to work. Not to argue with you, but yeah. they don't get no they don't get in I know people think there's election fraud. Mm -hmm. There is in some capacity, but I don't think it and I say this as a guy that has sat in county clerk's offices watching each ballot of huge races be recounted. Um, I literally spent uh, several days in a row, uh, actually probably over a week, watching the whole clerk's office recount an entire election. Uh, so I, I got a 
basic understanding of the process. I've been involved in watching uh, everything up to how the machines are put together, how software is loaded, the chain of custody of paper ballots, of mail-in ballots. Of course, every state and county around the nation can do things a little different based on their state board of elections. But um, it's not as easy as people think to to do crooked stuff with elections and people want to believe it's crooked when the truth is people are just too freaking lazy to go out and vote and get their neighbors to vote and get get uh, get behind candidates is really what it is it's mm-hmm. oakum's razor right mm-hmm. we want to think the simple most relevant uh, uh possibility is insane and instead we try to create and fabricate huge stories around what we what we think you know it's some crooked nefarious uh, group of ninjas that are that are like blowing darts into election judges and <laughs> in order in order for that oh, the to Illuminati. happen <laughs> yeah yeah mm-hmm. and, and does that stuff happen of course nefarious things have always happened when mm-hmm. humans are involved but for for example for somebody to sway an election doing things illegally it requires a it would require a conspiracy Mm-hmm. And it would require thirty, forty thousand dollar a year employees at clerks' offices to commit felonies and want to. I mean, they're they're not protecting millions of dollars for themselves. They're protecting a seven hundred dollar a week job, right? You, people don't commit crazy felonies like that for something like that. Uh, not not as widespread. People might hear me and say, "Oh, this guy's full of shit." Uh, I've looked at it too much to believe that it's for the most part, not just apathetic Americans that don't go out and do the work. Yeah, you know what? I think that, yeah, I think most people are good and don't have nefarious motivations behind what they do. And I think at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, I wouldn't lay all the problems that we have on America, like singularly on Democrats or liberals doorstep. You know, I think Republicans, conservatives, you know, they're doing a disservice to us as well. And we, and we have to keep an eye on all of these guys because I think eventually the two-party system that we have in America just leads to a lot of apathy, uh, one from the voters and, and then you know the folks who are actually doing that job, most of them, not all of them, but most of them, it just it becomes a job, right? And even, if, even though the politicians don't on paper make that much money, there's a lot of money involved in them being in politics, you know? Can be. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't talking about politicians. I was talking like when I said, yeah, I'm talking about somebody that works at like a county clerk's office that's an employee mm-hmm. of county government, because that's who would be required to create some of these mm-hmm. uh, I- illegal election activities. Yeah. And it does happen. Right. But, you said you said you were you said you were a carpenter, right? Yes, sir. Def- uh, multi-generational carpenter. So in Chicago, were you ever like in a Teamsters union or something like that? Well, te- Teamsters is truckers, but yeah, I was in okay. Carpenters Union up here yeah, mm-hmm. for a number of years. And mm-hmm. uh, of course, when I went out on my own, I became a non-union worker, mm-hmm. um, which we call scabs up in these parts. Mm-hmm. Most of my family wasn't union guys. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not pro-union, which will piss people off. Uh, for example, uh, you look at what it costs to build roads in my state. We've got, just like New York and other big areas, the cost of road per mile with union versus non-union labor is, is crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this'll, but the, the union worker says, but I'm making good wages. Well, 
that is just pushed back onto the public. We choose what job we do. And you can make a great living as it, both a union and non-union worker. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's That price is oftentimes pushed back onto the consumer. Cost to yeah. build a house, the cost to hire a plumber. I mean, nothing's for free. Yeah. I was a I was a Teamster for a while, and it wasn't uh, you know I don't think the Teamsters is all truck drivers. I know in New York no, City when I was not, a Teamster, yeah, not. I was a Teamster when I was uh, working at a hospital, and the the security I was a doorman, but the security and the department which the doorman was inside of, at for one point for I think a little bit over a year actually became unionized <laughs> under the Teamsters. Because they were there at the hospital doing construction. And I could tell you it was all run by the mafia. So it was 100% corrupt. You know? Yeah. I mean, I yeah. can't comment on that from the perspective of I don't know all the ins and outs of what goes on here. But uh, if, if you follow the money, just we're talking about road. There's been uh, large construction companies that do like huge state or city contracts where mm-hmm. – People end up in prison all the time because mm-hmm. somebody got a contract without it being open to proper bidding processes or mm-hmm. somebody knew somebody. That's starting to go away. You know, the social media, cameras, all the freedom of information stuff, it's so hard now to do those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's good. You know, things, things evolve. We the people have evolved in demanding more openness in government. So I think it's a lot harder nowadays to do those types of, of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think we're as corrupt as, you know, like I've lived in Nigeria, for example, in West Africa. Mm. I don't think America is as corrupt as Nigeria is, but everywhere there's corruption, you know. And at the end of the day, there's always the folks who are out there just trying to do for themselves. And there's also always the people who are trying to do the right thing. You know, sometimes yeah. it gets out balanced. Like when I look at the FBI, for example, which I always looked up to, you know, uh, the, like the FBI, that's, you know, um, that's the top of the top and, and probably the people that uh, would be the most honorable. Let's say we put it that way. But what I've seen them do lately is crazy. The stuff that I've that, uh, that I've seen in the news, the things that have uh, played out from those government Give me agencies. An I'm um, myself closer here. Give me an example. What are we talking about? Just so, so I know what we're talking about. Yeah, when we're talking about like uh, the FBI getting involved in politics and going after you know people in one political party and giving credence sure. to things like that, that's that's what I would say. I'm not gonna. I'm not trying to say every FBI agent out there is horrible. Uh, I don't. I don't believe that. But I. I think that there was a time in America. Or even in the world, if you look at it that way, when you saw that kind of corruption coming from something like the FBI, right? When you saw that, let's say you saw the FBI getting involved in uh, in politics, you know, and going against or giving credibility to uh, news that's coming out about one political party or the other, you know. So, for example, for example, if we see the FBI or other government agencies saying, oh, there's nothing to the Hunter Biden story. And then later on, you find out it's true, you know, mm-hmm. or you see them going after someone that's running for president. In some cases, we saw that happen with Trump. It, it, it really t- it takes a lot out of you to see that kind of thing going on. Or, for example, we can talk about the ATF in that way. The ATF was very involved in gun running and allowing guns to go to Mexico and Mm-hmm. What, what came out of that? Not, not really anything. I look at all of these discussions as 
we the I call them we the people problems. Mm-hmm. Like government only exists. Every bit of government under under our republic only exists to protect our rights. Our natural rights. Our the government's there to protect them. Anything that government does outside of that purview is our problem to either address, to limit, to speak up against, or to change. And we can point out the corruption, we can point out the the failures or the issues, but until we're willing to, I call it carrying the load of liberty. Like I imagine that people picked this load up before us and they carried it, they moved this load on our behalf, they die, the load gets put down, somebody's got to pick it up. Mm-hmm. And if we don't, it just it, it it doesn't move itself. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Right. I think I understand that. Yeah. It's not it's not just a th- it's like the constitution, man. You know, it's a piece of paper, right? We're the ones that have to do something about it Give every it, day. Yeah, we got we got <laughs> we're the might behind it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I agree with that. I agree with that. It's us. And I think that's what separates America in a lot of ways from other places. But one of the dangers we're facing in the world now is everyone wants the whole world to be the same. And like you said, ultimately, the people that it comes Walther Arms has been making concealed carry handguns for over 90 years, starting with the PPK. Today, Walther is based in the good old US of A and still builds quality firearms like the PPQ and PDP for personal defense and competition. So when you're in the market, please consider Walther Arms. We wouldn't be able to keep the Who Moved My Freedom podcast going without the support of great companies like Walther Arms. I totally missed my own break. <laughs> I didn't even see it there. Okay. Yeah, I uh where was I? Um Yeah, I you think you were saying different mm-hmm. people different people want the whole whole world to think or be the same. Yeah, that's kind of what we're we're going up against and the people here in America have to be the ones to me. Uh regardless if you're if you're in the military, if you're in the FBI or you're just a person like you're saying, you know, you were probably doing well enough doing what you were doing as a carpenter and we're the ones that have to say, okay, I'm going to, I don't, this is wrong what's happening and I'm going to stand up for it and do something about it. It's a, it's a thing that we <laughs> face a lot as gun guys. You know, I got into the gun thing. I've always been into guns and then I, you know, I got into it doing YouTube stuff like, oh, I'm just going to share, you know, me living in Florida and actually been able to own these guns and shoot them. And then I realized, no, there's a, there's a side of this that I have to talk to people. I have to talk to people who look just like me. I have to stand up, you know, for the rights and things like that that we have and say something about it. Otherwise, we're not going to have it. And, you know, that's kind of like how I wind up here. Uh, Very easily, I make that choice all the time because I think in this thing that we're doing, there's some folks who don't talk about the political side of it. And people get mad at them, including me sometimes. And, um, you know, this is just decisions that we have to make, right? What do you mean, uh, just so I'm clear, so you're saying mm-hmm. there's other people in like the gun space that don't talk politics and you get angry? Yeah, sometimes there are. There's, there's folks who are very popular out there, let's say, and you know, they, do, they have YouTube channels and, and they do stuff about guns, but they do just the cool stuff, right? And I think we all sometimes get upset about that because we're like, hey, how come they're not talking about this thing happening in politics or whatever? And I kind of see it from both sides. Because I talk about politics, I... You know, the the hammer of YouTube comes down on me pretty often. 
because of that, you know, I've lost my YouTube channel, I've, I've been, you know, severely shadow banned and all kinds of stuff. So I see it. But, you know, every time that we make these decisions, we make it for ourselves. We can't make mm -hmm. it for other people. And we have to decide to do the right thing. I mean, isn't that kind of analogous to your point of people around the world wanting everybody to be the same? Like, mm -hmm. I see I see the world through this lens, so why doesn't this guy or girl? You know, yeah. the other part of that is there's most most gun people, in my opinion, that pur that purport to be like a Second Amendment person, or I don't even know what phrase you want to choose, mm -hmm. really are just hobbyists that find it fun or sexy or macho or something to, mm -hmm. to use and play with guns. Most of them are not actual practitioners of martial arts. I don't mean like karate. I mean the martial craft of fighting with weapons. Mm -hmm. Most of them don't actually train with them in that fashion. And then the flip side, when you start to talk about the constitutionality of stuff, one of the biggest things I speak about outside of the actual firearm uh, training is our history. And I challenge people to study our history, not because I look back with some concept or idea that like, oh, these perfect people had everything right. right. But on the contrary, oh, these people that were as flawed as you and I chased this perfect concept of liberty, this concept that regardless of their imperfect lives, regardless of their, their flawed uh, human condition, this perfect cause of liberty is what combined to create this place that we get to live in now, that we get to call home and that we get to see and do and, and live as, as we see fit rather. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I mean, it's a, it, I think that that's something that's lacking from the perspective of, uh, Hey, you like these guns? Let's dig a little deeper and understand the what and the why, the how this place even exists. Yeah. But at the same, you know, um, so I think I think we're kind of like on the same wavelength with that. But do you, you know, when you look at the different folks doing what we do here, do you say, well, this guy should do this thing <laughs> or do you just do what you need to do? How, what's your philosophy on it? I could give two flying fucks. Mm -hmm. And I said it like that on purpose. What anybody mm -hmm. else does, mm -hmm. um, as long as you don't hurt anybody. I do. I do take offense when I see people. utilizing anything be it religion fear mm -hmm. um anything to sell somebody something there's a lot of guys that get out of the service and they use uh, uh a bunch of patches on their sleeve to sell bullshit to young men mm -hmm. uh, and i'm not in talking about anybody specific i'm not insulting anybody based on prior military service what i'm talking about is guys will use what they're what they're capable of on the internet uh, and they sell things that they have no business selling, um, improper yeah. training, uh, lies. And to me, it's just like people selling snake oil on the TV mm -hmm. at night, you know, buy this mop and it, it'll do this amazing thing for you or buy these pills and your, yeah. all your problems will go away. That's the stuff that pisses me off. Okay. But do I think people need to do what I do? No. I mean, mm -hmm. I've never walked in your shoes. You've never walked in mine. And I think what makes the world cool is we're we are different yeah i think also the flip side of that the reason why that works 
or why it happens um, the way it does, I think, in the gun community is a lot of people tend to fetishize uh, what folks, what some people do in the military, right? Not everyone's a special operator mm -hmm. or anything like that. And um, people tend to look at it and just create all these fantasies around it. So it kind of becomes, I guess, like sports or I guess NASCAR, you know, back in the olden days, people would look at NASCAR and then say, oh, I want to drive that car and then go to a dealership and buy something. And I think the mm -hmm. gun world, when it comes to the manufacturers and, and people trying to market things, very often go, oh, this guy was a Navy SEAL. It's all we need, you know, or sometimes it's not even we, it's gotten so crazy nowadays. It's you don't even have to be a Navy SEAL for that to happen. You know, we, we see like those folks, um, the, the I forgot the name of the husband and wife, but the husband and wife that was in front of their house, you know, pointing empty guns at a crowd and all that kind of stuff. Then all, all of a sudden, those are the people that every single manufacturer will give every whatever gun, <laughs> whatever they want to. And it's just one of these kinds of things, I think. Um, that happens. And even when I talked to the guys who were Navy SEALs... Just a SEALs, quick correction. They weren't mm -hmm. pointing empty guns at a crowd. They were pointing guns at a mob. At a mob, yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm, not, I'm, not against, I'm, I'm not against them defending themselves. I just themselves. want to make sure think, that we're on yeah. the yeah. I think there yeah. was some crazy stuff that happened in that whole thing. There was some really... You know, I personally... Um, if, if I feel like I need to defend myself, I'm going to defend myself. But yeah, if you're, if you're, you know, in front of an angry mob and you're pointing guns and doing all, all the stuff that happened there to me was so crazy. I'm not saying I don't, I'm not on their side or don't agree with the principle of, of what they were trying to do. I'm just saying like, how come these guys become heroes, you know? And well, then I mean, they're, they're, they're villains to a lot of people. Yeah, you and know, I'm not taking pride. Yeah, mean, there's a lot I know. of people that. It, but that's autom that's automatically that's automatically what happens nowadays, you know. Yeah, that's kind of like automatically that, the thing that happens nowadays, even within our gun community community we're talking about. I think the gun community is just a microcosm of all the world, right? We've got mm -hmm. we've got people that are in like the sporty side of things. We got people that are into the hunting side of things. We got people mm -hmm. that are into the tactical side of things. You got gun bunnies, the tits and ass. You got like the muscly guys. You got mm -hmm. people that do reviews, people that are like, you know, pretty serious about the stuff. You got dudes maybe that are like you. You got people that are, you know what I mean? There's, yeah. I think you, you, there's you different facets. Huge, yeah. Yeah. It's huge mm -hmm. cross section of stuff. And um, it's, I think it's easy. I don't think anybody needs to view the world the same way I do, but I think that you should respect my right to view it as I, as I do, as long as my rights, not me hurting people, mm -hmm. right. Or my, mm -hmm. my view. And I think that's where we get the, the wheels fall off. Like mm -hmm. Walter, I've worked with Walter for years. I see you got brought to you by Walter Absolutely. for years. I told people to buy Walter firearms mm -hmm. for years and mm -hmm. people laughed at me. My wife shoots a Walter. My daughter shoots a Walter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've Why? got tons of tons Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, they, they they think about the old old uh, James Bond era oh, okay. Walter firearms, right. right? Yeah, understood. Block had taken over, mm -hmm. um, and Walter creates a new marketing program. They create a strategy. I've been to Walter's factory, shot on the indoor range there, filmed videos with them. I, mm -hmm. I know some of the guys; they're great dudes. Yeah, I've seen some of your stuff. All of a sudden. The narrative changes. Mm -hmm. Thank you. The narrative changes slightly. Ooh, mm -hmm. there's some sexy guy shooting this gun. 
It's the same <laughs> freaking gun I told you to buy years ago, right? Right? But but it, uh, like yeah. the per- perception of things, right? And then what's what's old becomes new. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm looking at kids walking around. We're probably about the same age. Mm-hmm. I saw a kid the other day. I thought it was 1988. He got out of a pickup truck. He had a mullet. He had a sleeveless <laughs> T-shirt on. Nice. And and he had like like those uh, what are those stonewash called it. Oh, uh, the did, thick. They were the he, thick glasses. Yeah, what are, the, what are those called? Everybody's got them now. Like the the big wrap around freaking. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm yeah. talking about? Yeah, like almost like ski the, like skiing kind of stuff. Like yeah, like yeah. you know, total like uh, driving mm-hmm. IROC 1987 mm-hmm. freaking <laughs> douchebag listening oh, to some Def Leppard <laughs> driving down the street. And yeah. I'm like, what the hell year is it? You know, and like to this kid, this was like you know pretty sexy hot, looking hot clothes. Yeah. Yeah, which is yeah. which cool, man. To- totally right. do do your thing. But it mm-hmm. seems like like I shoot a Beretta. I've been shooting Beretta 92s for years mm-hmm. and people used to make fun of me. Now, I'm the bougie, you know, cool dude that's like mm-hmm. Oh, Mickey sh- Mickey shoots Berettas. Oh, right. cool. Yeah. I've, I've been shooting those for years. Right. Yeah, I agree with anyway, you. Anyway. No, I agree with I you. I think Beretta. I think there's there's a lot of stuff that like that that happens. You know, when I first got into the gun thing, my my first uh, handgun that I got for myself was a Glock. But a lot of my friends that were doing that, I haven't been doing this my whole life, you know. I'm not I was never in the military or in law enforcement or anything. I'm just an artist, you know. I'm just a creative kind of person. But my friends that have been just an artist. Uh, you know, that's me trying to be as humble as possible. If you talk to Lola, you'll find out that I'm not in real life very humble. But that's as, you know, that uh-huh. so that's that's really so to me i had friends though that were competing and doing lots of things and they always had walthers and they're like you know these are really ergonomic and this is what they use to train and compete Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and you know it's weird for a long time i kind of was like those people out there like oh what you know all all you need is a glock kind of a thing but then i met these guys and they never put any kind of pressure on, on me to do anything and uh they support they actually uh sponsored a podcast here they've done it for years and they're like hey man you know if you want to try something try it out they they never pushed me in any directions and you know as i looked at it i slowly started to develop something for it i didn't force myself into it or push myself into it and there are a lot of uh great things about all kinds of different guns i think that's the beautiful part about being into guns you know, in the beginning, you might be all about Glocks. Then you go to Walther. Then one day you're like, oh, those Berettas, you know, that you thought was just for the old dudes. Because that's kind of the way that I felt about Berettas when I started doing this. And I met gun guys and they had, you know, these really nice uh, metal Berettas and stuff. I was like, oh, this, this is like the old, it's for the old dudes out there. But as time goes on, you start to appreciate those things, you know. Nowadays, mm-hmm. I even appreciate like a single action, like you know. And this, there was a time when I was like, "Man, that's like some cowboy stuff." I love me some cowboy stuff. <laughs> yeah, as time goes on, you you appreciate these things, and that's truly what happens. I think that happens with cars or anything else that yep. you get into. You know, we we all have a specific mindset. I would think maybe twice about the person who says like, "Oh, I only like this," and I've seen that kind of. You know, like I've seen gun guys at the range that only have FN. That's it. Now, I think yeah. there's something that you should add to that, though. What's the goal? Not to talk mm-hmm. about me, but we. Mm-hmm. I look at 
anything I do, even this podcast. What's the goal? Why mm-hmm. am I here? Why does he have me on? Mm-hmm. But why, what's my goal with the gun? I've got a friend. He's a really high-level USPSA competitive mm-hmm. shooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got two pistols, one that he carries, one that he competes with. He's got a shotgun and an AR. That's it. And he makes plenty of money that he could afford a pile of guns. And he always says to me, like, I don't understand why you have so many firearms. His purpose with them, he has them to protect himself. He competes because he enjoys it, but more so to develop more efficient skills to deploy the gun for self-rescue. So, like, his purpose isn't to do some of the things we're talking about. His Mm -hmm. is self-protection. So, like, what's the goal, I think, is kind of important, too. Yeah. When you, you know, when you're, when, when you're doing your thing, when you're training folks out there, right, do you approach this stuff from brand or do you approach each different person that, that you meet? What's your overall approach to this kind of stuff? Like whether it's Walther, Beretta, Glock. I could care less as long as the gun is safe, meaning mm-hmm. it's not something that you piece together in your garage and it's okay. going to blow up or fall apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one thing I, I find, I, because we train hundreds and now thousands of people, I'm exposed to uh, millions of rounds of ammunition that's gone off around me and thousands and thousands of firearms. The amount of times I've seen slides just blast off the end of a gun, uh, squibs, uh, optics fall off, sights fall off, takedown pins fall off, you know, just all of that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you start to see like, okay, uh, which guns tend to hold the better together better? Okay, I can kind of like paint a picture in my head, which optics tend to fall apart more or less. And I could tell you without, mm-hmm. without a doubt, Glocks break less than any other gun. I, I break Glocks all the time over the years. I break uh, mag release springs because I practice mag changes. I I broke uh, recoil springs. I broke strikers. I mean, things break and people freak out. Oh, that gun's a piece of crap. A lot of these firearms are not meant to be shot as some people shoot them or to be manipulated as we manipulate them. I broke tons of SIGs and it doesn't make the SIG a bad thing. I break my truck all the time. I beat the shit out of my truck. I expect it to break, but then I maintain it and replace the parts. Mm -hmm. So, um, I want safe stuff, safe again, as in meaning it's like a well-built thing. And nowadays, I mean, even the budget-grade stuff is pretty durable compared to 1911-era stuff. It was expected that it took some work to make the gun function on the regular. Mm-hmm. It's, guns operate with nauseating reliability. Guns are like air travel. You don't expect to die when you get in an airplane to go to Disney World. You expect to get there, right? I mean, it's like, otherwise you wouldn't do it. And guns have kind of become like air travel. So I don't know if that answers your question. Right. So if, you, if you're if you giving a class, are you safe? Because I know there are some trainers that, I, that I've uh, spoken with and, and some of the guys are like uh, friends. You can't come to a, a rifle class with an AR you built. They want that to be, you know. No, I don't somewhere. care about that. Okay. I don't care about that. I, what I just, what I mean by that, here's something that happens. Guys will show up with some Gucci'd out thing mm-hmm. that's got, uh, usually this happens because it looked cool or the guy at the gun store sold them a bunch of stuff. 
maybe it's got a huge oversized mag release, a big oversized slide lock lever, um, crap like that, and then they never shot it, so then they actually start shooting it, and they're dumping mags to the ground errantly because their grip is impacting the you know, mm -hmm. impacting the, the slide lock lever or mm -hmm. the, uh, the mag release rather, um, shitty holsters, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. and, and what you find a guy that's, I've got guys that build ARs all the time that come to class, but it's when the dude doesn't know what he's doing, builds, mm -hmm. it shows up. Then my time and my other students time becomes his troubleshooting, uh, and I, I'll tell, I'll like screw around with it a little bit, but Hey, all these people paid to be here. We can't. Yeah screw around yeah you know, you're taking gonna... time away from so so like do you guys have a policy about that does do people have to bring a backup gun or if that happens you're like okay here here's a gun that we have use this or you kick them out how I'm, does that work i'm pretty cool about that i mean let's be honest not everybody can afford to have two three four guns um, i suggest have a backup gun have four to five magazines for each have all of that gear with you because if something breaks, it might be quicker just to go swap guns. Mm -hmm. uh, but not everybody can afford that, especially younger dudes or somebody on a fixed income. And I can't mm -hmm. assume or expect people to do that. I show up with a box of guns. Um, one, so that one thing about guns, the reason I like the Walters to talk about them again, you said ergonomic. For some reason, I find that they fit women's hands very well. The way that they make those long slide lock levers that are ambi, like on the PPQ, um, mm -hmm. the serrations, all mm -hmm. uh, just girls' hands and guys, but mm -hmm. girls' hands especially, they can manipulate them well. What I find is guys will send their wife to my class is a good example. Mm -hmm. And the girl goes, yeah, he sent me with this bag of stuff. And it's, uh, it's a little single stack, uh, something like a car or uh, a, a, a shield, right. you know, something mm -hmm. that requires a man or a strong person's grip mm -hmm. uh, that the woman can't action the slide. She can't push the slide lock lever up while to lock the slide back. We wouldn't be able to keep the Who Moved My Freedom podcast going without the support of great companies like High Point Firearms and Full Forge Gear, bags and gear for everyday life. Did you know High Point is an American family-owned and operated company located in Ohio with over 30 years of manufacturing experience? High Point is proud to be the home of the working man's gun and your source for affordable handguns and carbines with a lifetime warranty. So when you're in the market, please consider hype. Man, I am so I'm getting so into this conversation. I'm not seeing my own. <laughs> I, yeah, I do suck. I do suck, man. It's right there too, and I'm not seeing it. <laughs> yeah, you're so you're for you. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not gonna get any better. The more I think about it, the worse I'm gonna be. But yeah, so you're saying that husbands, which I know it happens. So that so you're saying that they're sending their wife with what it is they want to carry, right? Or they want her to well, carry. Well, maybe the guy, you know, we just, we oftentimes okay. think like mm -hmm. little hands, little gun. I'm just mm -hmm. a, for example, you know, like, uh, I don't know how many women I've met over the years that are, that show up with some tiny gun, a little J frame revolver or, uh, a little single stack, uh, micro gun. It's, that's the last thing a new shooter should be using. Mm -hmm. I got a joke I have always told. Mm -hmm. The only thing that you should ask the guy at the gun counter, like a guy mm -hmm. at a gun store, the only thing you should ask them is how much does it cost? 
Never ask those. And I know there's people that are listening and they go, hey, fuck you. I work at a gun store and I know what I'm talking about. Okay. But by and large, <laughs> a lot of these guys, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Oh, so you're, t- you're saying, yeah, don't take advice. You're just saying, I want this. I'm saying, don't take yeah. advice from that from, guy. From, from them. And, okay. And of course, there are many people that work at gun stores that do know what they're talking about. But mm-hmm. there are tons that don't. And that is how... For example, here's a great argument. Uh, somebody calls me, hey, I, gotta, I would like to find out if I am ready or skilled enough to come to your course. And I'll say, okay, just you know, talk to me a little bit about yourself. And they'll yeah. go, well, you know what? I'm, I'm very familiar with guns. I own a lot of them. Right. And that is meaningless. I could have a room full of guitars and know nothing for music. I could have a room full of art easels and brushes and know nothing about painting. I could have a mm-hmm. piano and know nothing about, you know what I'm saying? Right. So we connect this concept of ownership to knowledge. What's well, bullshit? Mm-hmm. I've got a pile of books behind me. If I don't read them, it does, I don't know what's in them. Mm-hmm. And so people often somehow connect ownership because I purchased this thing, thus I know how to use it. Talk to any policeman in America that does uh, crash scene investigations, and you will find dudes that bought Corvettes, Mustangs, Porsches, whatever, mm-hmm. that thought they knew a thing yeah. or two about driving, and they don't. So, um, Yeah, I played Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> yeah, but some sales guy sold them that car, right? Yeah, I actually got a right. buddy that works for a dealership in Ohio that makes it used to be 39,000 probably a little more now but it just a few years ago for like $39,000 you could get a 750 horsepower 5 speed or 6 speed uh supercharged Mustang it was like the base model Mustang that they for stuffed this huge blower for, for 40 grand oh my god yeah man. it was like the base model Mustang that okay. they put with the 5 liter that mm-hmm. they put a fat blower on i mean it was mm-hmm. a, it was like unless you were a somebody that knew how to drive this car was going to kill you and right. he'd tell me people come in two weeks later the thing had come in on a freaking smashed up bed, just wrapped, <laughs> wrapped around something that's how you learn but, yeah right yeah. well there's race so, car drivers that are really awesome on tracks and they're not very good at driving on the streets i mean well it's different different yeah. tires right yeah, yeah different yeah. different track surfaces yeah. Yeah. but where i'm going with that is so your question was like what are my prerequisites or thoughts on like the gun everybody's hands different everybody's grip pressure or ability to create grip pressure is different the friction coefficient of our skin is different uh of course hand size our vision's different are the strength of our arms our elbows our wrists our needs you know if 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 i knew i needed a gun i'm gonna grab my 308 ar in a whole bag of magazines if i know i need a gun right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so we have this concept like this is good enough so it's a trade-off right concealability uh comfort uh accessibility on our clothing our ability to hold it and actually shoot it our ability to manipulate it mags slide lock to keep the gun up and running so I think we got to find a firearm that works well for us. People like Glock, Walther, uh, Smith & Wesson, SIG, all these companies have all based their shit off of men like Browning, what he did years ago. And mm-hmm. these guns, while there's been slight changes, are 
really still pretty much what guys like Browning came up with years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, We haven't yet come up with something that's much better. It's just, what are we really changing? Some ergonomic stuff. Materials. Yeah. Yeah. What it looks like. We're not, it's not like it's something like you point your fist and bullets are coming out of a (laughs) ring, which would be badass. Uh, Yeah. Laser beams. Yeah, to an extent. So my thing, okay, so I don't know if this is, so are you saying, for example, if you're going to do a training class and you carry, you know, like, what is this? I think I have, uh, this is uh, Lola's P365 here, right? Let's say if she carries Mm -hmm. this and she goes to a training class, do you take this or no? Go with a full-size gun? I'm just trying to clarify here. Uh, I think that's contextual. I think if, uh, let's, let's. Take a look at Lola. Let's suggest Lola's never shot a pistol or Lola's mm-hmm. only shot a pistol. Cool name, by the way. Only mm-hmm. shot a pistol 10 times. I'd probably suggest that we find the largest pistol that Lola can comfortably hold, meaning I'm not going to go get her a uh, 10 millimeter Glock 20 that's got a grip, you know, this big. Right, but right. Maybe, the P- maybe the PPQ, something mm-hmm. that's lar- the bigger, the better, but still within the scope of her hand structure so mm-hmm. that we can teach her the mechanics of marksmanship and using a holster. If she's got all that down, I tell people train with whatever you want to. Okay. But I also tell them that for me, I train with the gun that I think I'm going to have with me if I'm in a fight, which for me is going to be the gun that's sitting right next to me right here. I've put mm-hmm. thousands of rounds through these, these little SIGs, uh, little Glock 40, uh, 48s, 43Xs, uh, I've put thousands of rounds through bigger guns, but I've gone to classes with guys like uh, Gabe White, Pat McNamara, Scott Jedlinski, uh, you name it. I've showed up with my little inside the waistband rig and a pile of magazines and guys are running big dot guns with comps on them. And I'll keep up with most of them. You know, I might be off a second or two, which is a big deal when mm-hmm. you're running a, you know, a second or two is a long time in a, mm-hmm. a course of fire. But I'll take a second or two running a little micro compact pistol versus somebody shooting some tuned up, comped, and dotted gun. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Yeah. 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 What, what's the goal? What's the goal? Yeah. I, I don't want to get good shooting a gun that's at home. I want to get good at the gun with the gun that's on me. And the mm-hmm. thing that I try to drill home with people, imagine horribly you're in that grocery store in buffalo north new york imagine you're in that church in texas imagine uh you're in that school in texas imagine you're in that uh uh, town square in colorado you can just think of the situation imagine you're there and you know the facts of the story whatever it might be paint the picture of one of these mass murders is the gun that you have on you something that you think that you could use to protect life and liberty of yourself or others, if that's what you choose to do? Are you capable of it now, just dissecting the parameters of a known incident? And most people say no. So that's a clue. Uh, I think, personally, I think you should be able to take the gun that's on you and own anything that's 25 yards and in. Uh, by anything, I think something like the size of a dessert plate, like a six inch circle. I should be able to draw and put rounds on something 25 yards away at will with that gun and be conscious of a clear and clean sight picture to beyond and around the target. I should be able to do that 
uh, regardless of fatigue. I should be able to do that regardless of light conditions, meaning there is enough light to be able to identify a target in my sights. Uh, so those are kind of some parameters that I think should drive not only what we're training with, but the mindset behind it. Because I don't carry this thing to have a couple pounds of metal in my pants mm -hmm. for no reason, right? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, yes. You want metal in your pants for I no mean, reason? I mean, it depends on your situation. <laughs> but that's where sidetracking, you know. You Are you want... talking porno stuff <laughs> right now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you might want to have okay. some heavy metal. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Want to have some, you might want to have some heavy metal in there. I do agree with you. Let me give some shout-outs. Ham Radio Pen Pal is uh, shouting you out. He says, uh, at Mickey uh, Shook, what's up, buddy? So I don't know if you know hey, Ham dude. Radio Pen Pals. Um, I don't. And, yeah. And are you into Ham Radio at all? Are you Ham Radio? You know, I grew up with a very dear family friend. Um, what, is his, what is his radio signal? Whiskey, Sierra, Kilo Niner, I believe. Okay. And I loved I loved him teaching me stuff on his setup. I, I'm not mm -hmm. licensed, so mm -hmm. no, I'm never on the I'm not on the radio. Yeah, okay. Have... <laughs> <laughs> not at all, huh? You don't own a Bofang anywhere? <laughs> You're not gonna admit no. it. No. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh Lola and I recently, I think it was in January or something like that, got into it and got licensed. So Cool. Um, Good for you. Yeah. Uh, oh, he says Mickey knows me as Paul Garber. So there you go. Hey, Paul, what's happening, brother? <laughs> so yeah. there you go. You Paul's do know him. Yeah. I do know Paul. Yeah. Um, and then Lola. Actually, is... Paul sent me a message today mm -hmm. saying that you were a cool dude. Oh, look at that. Okay. So mm -hmm. he obviously doesn't know me. He doesn't, he doesn't know me, though. So. Well, clearly so he follows that. your work yeah. and your artistic expression. <laughs> No, well, Lola and I—we got into the ham radio world, man, which has been really cool. You know, I think that's a like the, one of the reasons why I'm doing this is to be prepared for things, and I think communications is a part of that. So obviously, Heck you yeah. can't get you can't get into everything, but we, I've met some of the the guys that are in the ham radio world, and you know, um, there's a lot of stuff on YouTube. So we we followed what they did on YouTube, and we got prepared. We went to uh, I think it was called Hamcation in Orlando. And we actually got licensed and everything, and I own some stuff. So, uh, and I, I'm cool. I'm sure he's uh, found me through those dudes. Lola was asking some questions back here that she's been texting me about that I'm ignoring. Um, <laughs> that I'm ignoring her question. So I'm just gonna go to her. He's he. Uh, let's see where she's at. Uh, he wants. To, she wants to know. She wants to know why you started Carry Trainer. It's a good question. I mean, that's a pretty broad one. The mm -hmm. fastest, uh, fastest answer, quickest answer would be I felt I had something to add in this space. Mm -hmm. um, as soon as I don't have something to add in this space, I will step out of it. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't fuck around. I'm not here. I could make more money doing a lot of other things. I do own Gunfighter Oil. Uh, mm -hmm. I invest a ton of energy in this because I take it very seriously. Uh, okay, I've heard of gun, Gunfighter Oil, you just said? Correct. Oh, nice. okay, That's our, cool. It's our brand. Okay, uh, cool. I mean, I got stuff like that I can do. I could. I, I am very passionate. My buddy Paul Sharp, who I've known for many years, beloved friend and um, mentor, as well as uh, somebody that helps us with our S12 event, uh, mm -hmm. former jiu-jitsu coach, great guy. Paul likes to say, we make good people better at being dangerous. Mm -hmm. And... There's a reason for that. It's not just to stop bad guys. This quest 
if you look at any true martial artist, uh, I think Bruce Lee was probably a good example in modern times. Mm-hmm. Eventually, that quest turns into art, the expression mm-hmm. of art. Mm-hmm. The samurai did haiku. They mm-hmm. they painted. They uh, did sculptures, right? People mm-hmm. eventually arrive at this point where they find as much beauty in life as possible because they understand humans' capabilities mm-hmm. of destroying each other. Right. I'm not, a, I'm not a soldier. I'm not some badass. I'm a regular old dude, but I've spent the better part of my adult life dis- discussing, contemplating uh, these topics, not because I find some fascination in it, because, but rather I have this quest to live a long, full life. I'm don't feel I fear death, uh, but I want to be around as long as possible. I enjoy my kids. I've got a granddaughter. And I think that's, for most people, what they're looking for. So we couple to the firearms training portion of what we do, we couple to that kind of a philosophy and a mindset of living a long, full life. Live healthy, work out, eat well, find joy in the people and and things around you. Uh, some people that hate the way I approach this. I get a lot of people that say, would you just shut the hell up? I don't want to hear you. You sound like an arrogant prick. Cool, man. I'm not for you. But on the flip side, I have, and it's not me. uh, That's the the, the message that we pass on is stuff that's old as time, but we'll get folks. I can't tell you how many people have lost 50 pounds after coming to our courses. And it's not, Oh, you know, they're doing what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. It's that they, they were exposed to good people and they said, you know what? I can do this. Uh, I can do this because these other people are doing this. I'm worth it. My life is valuable. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do something different. My good buddy, William April, always said, if you do what you always done, you're going to get what you always got. And in some ways, Carrie Trainer is a manifestation of me doing something different to get something different out of life. Uh, so... When you see me talk about something maybe heavy online, uh, maybe a personal struggle or um, some path uh, that I'm going down, I'm not talking about it because I'm saying I've figured this thing out. You should too. I'm saying I'm sure this is a struggle you've seen too. Uh, Let's talk about it or I'm here to talk about it or I understand we're all in the same boat. And that's that's kind of the synopsis. Let's okay. live a long, full life together. Right. Absolutely. I think you know, pe- people should be well-rounded. Shouldn't just be you know single-faceted kind of a thing. And you're not the first person that I've heard say that uh, self-defense is is a martial art. Uh, my friend Reed Henricks, he he was the first person I think that I've heard say that, and I agree with it. Right. It's a it's a martial people art. have been talking about it for thousands yeah. of years yeah. yeah i know Reed. yeah yeah, yeah. this is yeah, all this... part of the whole thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so well, i think I, I... go ahead i'm t- no. talking over you i'm sorry no 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 you're good i was just gonna say i just think we need to be balanced you know you don't have to be anyone who goes all the way in one direction and they're only into that so like i think being fit being healthy is a great thing if that's the only thing that you're doing you know, you're not going to live a good life like you were saying, right? You need to balance everything that you do. So, and I think that's when you bring up the samurai, that's what I think about, right? You know, this... And I'm mm-hmm. sure there were some evil-ass samurai, right? Oh, sure. I just yeah. meant that one, that one <laughs> facet. Right, yeah. 
I mean, these were these got dudes were literally the enforcers, man. They were walking around able to like slice off heads and stuff like that, you know. But sure. yeah, you should you should you should endeavor to be balanced. If you look, I mean, they're not that much different from knights, let's say, that you would find in Europe. Which which were which were hired thugs. They're mm-hmm. not like like the movies tell us, like mm-hmm. damsels in distresses. Most of them were more mm-hmm. like the sheriff of Nottingham. Mm-hmm. Most of them were just iron fisted bastards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a lot of it's a lot of what's going on. And then as I don't know, I don't know where to put it. I think in uh, in civilization as we move forward here, you know, we're just we're living in a world today because of all the things, right? Because of the machines and uh, technology and thing like things like that that we have around us, we could either choose to be very lazy, or you know, add layers to our lives and who we are, and all of us in different ways. You know, some sometimes, you know, I I would say there might be this thing that I'm very versed in, but this other thing here I'm I'm not so good in. But you you strive to make yourself better. Right on. Yeah. What's the goal? That's how I start everything. What's mm-hmm. the goal? And I think it's really easy to go off on a tangent. For example, I'm going to become a ham radio specialist, a a uh, self-sustained uh, uh, mm-hmm. person that lives in the woods and, and keeps bees and raises hogs and knows how to crack my own wheat and do sutures on my kid's foot and all of these things because I think the world's going to end. So now the focus becomes the world's going to end and I'm going to live on. Or you could say, I'm alive, I'm well, it's a new day, the sun is shining, the birds are chirping, there is always some evil shit going on in the world, but I'm going to spend the trajectory of my life doing good, being good, and living well. And and in that, I'm also going to learn some skills that should calamity or violence come my way, I will prevail. That's kind of my mindset. I'm not, I don't live in fear of like, the end of the world or anything like that mm-hmm. yeah i think uh, that's nonsense yeah um i mean what can you 48 do seconds it? by the way 46 oh, seconds look at that man you're 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 getting uh even better than me uh lola is surprised by the 50 pounds thing so in that 30 seconds <laughs> she's like how long are these classes why are you losing not at pounds? the class not at the class <laughs> You know, like I've met them, and then I'm gonna, when you take your next break in 30 seconds, I'm going to sprint and come back with something to show you. Okay, all right, cool. Yeah, Lola, not at one time. Lola's like, okay, if I can lose 50 pounds at this one class in three days, because someone, I think Ham Radio Pen Pal says the class is three days, yeah. If you if you lose 50 pounds in three days, you're I was pretty sure. I was pretty sure that that's not how I articulated it, so that's what you <laughs> folks wanted to hear. Yeah, that's right. We'll be right back here in a second. With Arms List, you can shop the extensive list of local and nationwide firearms classified. Now with more confidence because of their built-in firewall. For only $6.99 a month for personal use or $30 a month for business vendors. So when you're in the market, please consider Arms List. We wouldn't be able to keep the Who Move My Freedom podcast going without the support of great companies like arms list yeah that's even one of the things i think about losing weight the to me i don't know things work differently for other people i don't want to get all crazy only about losing weight i think if i was all about let's say losing weight and losing 50 pounds i could definitely do it without a doubt okay i can definitely do that one thing if i drop everything else so i try personally i think 
you should try to be a little bit more balanced and have like right now for for I think the last about three months Lola and I have been doing it trying to make it part of my lifestyle I don't eat after seven o'clock anymore it's a good thing to do yeah, yeah. I think and some I people do need some people do need a serious reset in life mm-hmm. I've needed a serious reset in my own life not not on weight but mm-hmm. other things I think sometimes you need to do like hard stop what the fuck am I doing mm-hmm. and not everybody's like that right not everybody mm-hmm. uh you made you made a small change that may make a big impact over the long run. Mm-hmm. Let me show you this. So in our classes, sometimes we shoot T-shirts. We shoot the T-shirts because the T-shirt is not a cardboard target, right? It mm-hmm. allows us to visualize our site or our dot on something that would look like what somebody would be wearing. Makes sense. And so in, uh, in 2019, I had a dude come to a class, and he, uh, great dude, he was pretty heavy, and that was uh, November of 2019. He okay. weighed 225 pounds. And exactly uh, 13 months later, 2020, December of 2020, he showed up to my class. He weighed 151 pounds. Mm-hmm. So he uh, Wait, he was comes too- up to me. Uh, he went to 225 so, to, 150? to 151. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah, 151. Okay. Awesome. So he shows up. So what is that? 74 pounds? Yeah, sounds like that. Yeah. Wow. So he's like, hey, I want to shoot this shirt. In a year? In 13 shirt. months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 13 months. He goes, I want to shoot this shirt. And I go, okay. I'm like, I don't give a shit what shirt you, you shoot. And he goes, but there's significance. He goes, this is the shirt I wore in class mm-hmm. last year. Wow. And you know, whatever. It's just the shirt, but you see the bullet holes in it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You kind of see them. Nice. Yeah. So, kind of. We lost your mic there for a second. I don't know if you could hear me. Your mic's gone. Uh oh. Yeah, you hit. Okay, you're there. You're back. I think you hit mute by accident. Sorry about you, that. What's no, the you're. La- what's the last thing you heard me say? I think. Uh, you lifted. Yeah, you lifted the shirt. Okay. That was the last thing. This was it, kind of a metaphor for life. He shot the man he was and Mm -hmm. not in a, you know, he's not trying to hurt himself. This kid's ripped now. Like Mm -hmm. he was like ripped. He had covered in abs and stuff, but his, he had some relationship issues. He had some work related issues. And this Mm -hmm. kid like revamped his life, not because of Carrie trainer or my brand, but because of himself. Mm -hmm. And he got serious about his health. He got serious. One of the things we talk about is don't just be a good rescuer, but be, able and capable of being rescued mm-hmm. how many people can be a lot easier to move a 151 pound man versus a 225 pound man? Mm-hmm. he's fairly short in stature so if you heard that and thought "Ooh, now he's too skinny i think he's only like five foot three or something so mm-hmm. he's a, kind of a shorter dude mm-hmm. but uh, i've got a dude that lost over 100 pounds and i'm not like a fitness guru but what happens is guys are exposed to this concept Mm-hmm. Again, not that it's my stuff. We're just, I like to allow people to, to maybe think a little bit and suppress the macho nonsense. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to be overweight. Nobody, nobody ever wants to be overweight. Nobody says, I want to be overweight, right? We come up with, and not to go off on a tangent about this, but we come up with reasons or ways to sideline. Mm-hmm. And if we're serious about protecting ourselves and we've got, all these things, right, that we're mm-hmm. going to the range with, we're 
we're going through the discomfort of shoving it in our pants. We're buying belts and all this stuff. If we, we want to do that because we want to live, if you mm -hmm. really want to live, then you should make your heart healthy and your brain healthy. And now let's even go a little deeper. Are you getting seven to eight hours of sleep a night? Are you freaking drinking too much alcohol? Are you drinking too much soda? What is your diet? Let's take a, and, and I, I, I'm not trying to like get self healthy, but it's true. If your goal is to live a long, full life, then don't just talk to me about the gun because that's bullshit. Yeah. No, I think I agree with you, you know, and I, I don't think it's exactly what you were saying earlier, but when you were talking about, um, I, I think you, when, when we were talking about how, you know, people that create these fantasies around folks in the military, I was thinking about how a lot of people get intimidated by what we're talking about here, right? And they look at this stuff and they look at training. Maybe they are overweight. I'm, I, I definitely would consider myself overweight. Everyone's at different, at different things with that. But there's folks who get intimidated by it and say, well, I'm not going to do this. You know, I don't want to go out there and get embarrassed or whatever it is. But, you know, once you get out there and you start thinking about these things like, hey, I do want to survive. You know, I, I not just not just defend yourself. You want to know how to be able to live in a way that helps you survive in the world, no matter what comes at you. And then you get out there, and and if you are overweight and you realize, man, I couldn't run up and down and do all of these things like other folks. Maybe I need to get better. If it doesn't, you know, if it doesn't intimidate you so much that you run away from it, you realize, okay, I'll just work on me and get better doing this. You know, and I think sometimes this is what happens. Like we we always run this risk that we're intimidating people away from what we're doing. So you want to motivate people and these things kind of, all the things I think that goes along with the gun world branches out into more responsibility and all of that kind of stuff in folks' lives. I would agree with that. It can. I think if you're open to it, it mm -hmm. can. I think it's really easy. It, youth, I think, allows us a lot of hubris, right? I'm in my mid-40s now, so I think I'm still fairly young. But my body already in many ways doesn't do certain things I want it to. Um, I'm still quite fit and capable compared to most men my age, probably more so than other men. But it requires me more work, more perseverance, and definitely uh, more mindfulness than it did when I was 30 or 20. And that's just the nature of things, right? So it's a choice. We have choices. And I choose what I eat. I choose what I think about. I choose mm -hmm. what I watch. I choose what I read. We all do this. I choose mm -hmm. who I'm friends with. I choose what I do in my free time. I choose when I get up, if I'm going to be a sack of shit or I'm going to go sprint up and down the street for 10 minutes or something as simple as do air squats while I brush my teeth mm -hmm. or do push-ups while the coffee pot is going. Instead of sitting on my phone and scrolling Facebook, I can rip out 50 push-ups in the time that that the coffee's going or that the toast is in the toaster or whatever. Mm -hmm. Those are minor choices, just like your choice not to eat after seven o'clock. And I had a guy recently come to a course. I'm not going to say his name. Once in a while, I will have somebody leave a course um, and they leave for whatever their reasons are. You mean they didn't complete? Uh, I'm just trying to. Did not, that, did not complete the okay. course okay. on his own of his own volition. He wasn't sent away. He chose to leave. It's hard. This particular course is our S12 event. We train over 12 hours a day. Mm -hmm. um, we're up at up at six, dinners at six, and then 
people are up till eight, nine, ten o'clock at night. Myself, I'm 14 to 16 hours a day at that event, and it's on purpose. Well, he and it was 90 degrees each day. He mm-hmm. he was not um, unhealthy. He wasn't uh, elderly. He decided okay. to leave. But I found out later, and if he hears this. I mean no disrespect, and that's why I'm not naming him, but I think it's, it illust- it'll illustrate my point. I got a phone call a few days later from somebody, and they just said, hey, that guy, do you remember him? And I said, yeah, is he okay? He didn't, like, bust his knee or pull a hamstring or something because I didn't have a chance to talk to him. I just was told that he said that he was leaving. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was new to training. He owned firearms. But – he so enjoyed my program that he, in the three days of, since being there, had created his own similar training program, similar in his mind, not at all similar, but they did some combatives. They did some medical. They did some handgun training, and it, and it was called like Everyday Warrior. He already had a name for it, and he was calling around to find somebody to teach the gun portion, and this person called me to let me know, and I'm like, good for him, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking Everyday Warrior, like you're, you're such, and the concept was, the guy read me the concept, it was, we're going to teach everyday people to be warriors. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're such a warrior, you couldn't fight through one more day, just one more day. You, you packed up your shit and went home to the air conditioning, yet you are going to ask people to do what you yourself weren't capable of. So I guess where I'm going with this mm-hmm. is, these choices make who we are, and if we don't have the ability to look within and look at ourselves in the mirror mm-hmm. as we are, mm-hmm. not as we not as we want to be, but as we are. How the hell can you make good choices to make change? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I was wondering where you were. I was wondering where you were going with that. Uh, I, yeah, you know, <laughs> the part about someone not being able to get the instruction, but then they want to teach people. You know, I've got, I've definitely got issues with that. But at the same time, I think if you're, if you're doing these, if you're doing training, especially under certain circumstances, if you feel like you're not a hundred percent up to it, you don't have to push yourself and make something worse happen to you. You know what I mean? And I don't think that was it. I mean, I can't speak for him. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a fine line behind that too, dude. I mean, there's a point where oh man, I'm jog, and I don't jog, but I'm jogging. My stomach hurt. Oh, I don't want to push myself and pull something. And then you fabricate, you start this tail in your mm-hmm. head, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or I'm going to get on a diet. I hate diets. So I don't have a diet. I just don't eat shit. And mm-hmm. I eat good food that's good for me and I can eat a bunch of it. But I also mm-hmm. work out two and a half, three hours a day, five, six days a week. So mm-hmm. it's a, I can do that. It's a weird I thing. Can, yeah. 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 So it, it, yeah. you tell you start a tale in your head, though, that like. I got a quick story, man. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I was deeply involved in politics for years. Personally, I suffered from anxiety much of my young life, chronic and acute anxiety, like full blown panic attacks, things of that nature. As a young man, There's a, a long story as to why. But at the point of this story, I suffered from anxiety and uh brother of mine and I, younger brother of mine and I, who also had anxiety, we both had figured out on our own, uh, without medicine or doctors, if we approach certain things in life that scare us or give us, uh, kind of flip the fear trigger, 
it, it helped us grow. And science proves this, uh, psychology proves this, but we kind of came to it our, on our own as we were getting older into our 20s. I get involved in politics and now I talk in front of people constantly. Uh, but at this point, 12 years ago or something, I needed to just give a short speech in front of a few hundred people. And I remember feeling really nervous and apprehensive about it, even though I knew all these people. And in fact, I was part of the, this was when I was part of the political party. I, all I needed to do was introduce a candidate, you know, okay. a few platitudes. This mm-hmm. is our guy, Hank. He's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. We're all dressed up nice. I even helped set this event up in some capacity mm-hmm. and certain person's supposed to go up. Then it's my turn. And I see them go up and I thought, I'm going to run to the bathroom real quick make sure my hair looks good, check my teeth to make sure I don't have some, you know, spinach from the spinach dip that I'm eating in there. <laughs> and by the time I made it to the bathroom, I was mm-hmm. a, in a full-blown panic attack, mm-hmm. which I wasn't even feeling anxiety before then, but I had worked myself up to it. My programming kicked off the cascade of, of cocktails and the hormone, or the hormone cocktail that caused the panic attack. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking in the mirror and I start this dialogue in my head. Mm-hmm. You're an adult. You're here of your own volition. You can leave. Just text so-and-so, you know, in my head, text, text Bob, tell Bob you had to leave. Mm-hmm. You'll be home in a few minutes. Crack a beer. Sit on the deck. It's a nice afternoon. You don't need to be with these people. And as I'm telling myself this, I started to relax because I had come up with an alibi that I could do. You had out. Yeah. yeah, my keys are in my pocket. I don't even need to go back to my chair. There's nothing there. I don't have a purse. My wife's not with me. I don't have a bag, a briefcase. I can go, and I'm right by the door. Mm-hmm. And in 30 seconds, I concocted this story in my head, and I looked at myself, and I said, you son of a bitch. Like, if you walk out the door, you're just solidifying your choices to walk away when you're scared of something. And, of course, I the story ends. I walk out there, and I did the little five-minute spiel. And I come back to my chair and I went to the bar, grabbed a beer, sat down at the, at the table with a bunch of friends that are all elected officials. And I felt fine at that point. And one of the guys is like, hey, nice job. You know, it was nothing. It was like a nothing little speech. But I go, man, did you tell I was nervous? And he's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, dude, I was like, I was like, ah, I was like off the charts, like about ready to poop my pants, vomit. Like, you psyched yourself like, up. You psyched yourself up. Yeah. Now, that's a weird but, thing. But, it's a, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. But my point in just bringing that up, like talking about that guy leaving that event mm-hmm. or anything that's hard in life, and this isn't me patting myself on the back, we choose and we develop these responses. And I had probably developed a pretty good way of coming up with alibis in my life that when I say alibi, I mean an excuse, a bullshit story to change this this yeah. uh, this thing going on in my head. Right. And it. And that was one of the first times that I watched it happen, became acutely aware of it. And I just I, I told myself, F you, you're not that you're not going to do mm-hmm. this. Yeah. And that's I don't know if that's what that guy did. I don't know if it had anything to do with that. But we come up with stories. Oh, you better slow down so you don't you know, you don't yeah. have an issue or, you know, you got it. There's so there's do, some. There's so many variables, and I think, like, in the training thing, I recently had something like that. I went to do um, – there was a training thing that I actually went to do in Kansas with uh, Tonto. Um, you know, he was giving Chris. a class. Yeah. And mm-hmm. when I when I went out there, I kind of went there a couple of – like, maybe a day early or something like that, I think, right? 
And there were these uh there were these green beret guys there, so the guys decided to do a crash course like special operations thing or whatever that went all day. You know, so all day up until I think like it I think we were doing that thing up until about two, three o'clock in the morning. I was doing that okay. thing. And it really beat me up because it was this crash course on, you know, uh, uh you know, clearing rooms and you know, all of this kind of stuff. I think at the end of it, I was, we were like carrying out a person, you know, we did a rescue operation and all this, and that was tough. And I did it. And then right after that, we went right into doing this, uh, this thing with Tonto and I was out there by myself and not feeling good. And I did most of that thing. And he came up to me, you know, and he was like, you know what, man, if you're not feeling a hundred percent, the next part that we're going to do is going to get really, you know, really crazy. Right. So you don't have to you don't have to make yourself do that. And I feel that same way. I don't want to quit. I don't want to quit or give up on something either. But at the same time, I was like, I'm also way out here. I'm, I've got a whole bunch of things to do. I don't want to hurt myself and be all out here on my own. And I just manned up and I was like, hey, I'm not I'm not going to do it. But I also didn't walk away from it. I stayed there. I helped load ammo and all that kind of stuff, you know, and went through the thing. I think there is this thing that, you know, we have to we, sh we have to make ourselves like you did. You've got to make yourself go through things if you're psyching yourself out. Sometimes I also feel like there's things happening where something might be telling you, hey, this is not a good idea. Don't go down this path. I don't think that's necessarily what happened with you. But sometimes you also have to know when to say when. And then just 100%. not not be don't be embarrassed about it. You know, you don't necessarily you don't have to run away or hide or anything like that. You know, you, you can still be in with people, but, you know, you don't have to take yourself out either. Only only a fool. Yeah, I've done some mountaineering. I'm mm -hmm. not ready to go climb Mount Everest. <laughs> I can't I can't just will myself to do right. that. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I 100 percent agree that but this is that like self-awareness thing. Mm -hmm. And. Nobody was asking this guy to do something that was beyond his capabilities. Yeah. The 10 professional instructors there mm -hmm. uh, are also able to look like if Chris looked at you and said, hey, man, I see you're mm -hmm. you know, kind of looking beat up a little bit. He probably mm -hmm. recognized in mm -hmm. you that you were looking a little beat up. Yeah. So he did the right thing. And, mm -hmm. and then you dug deep and pulled it, pulled it out. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but it is crazy. It's crazy. Well, what you what you were saying was crazy. It's crazy to think that someone went through that situation and then was like, "Yeah, I'm going to teach people." <laughs> yeah, so I've never one minute mark. We just heard. Yeah, I one of the things I always tell folks like I'm not I'm not trying to act like I know everything. If anything, I'll rather act like I don't know. You know, but I try to do my best and I don't hide like my mistakes and things like that. You know, but to try to teach people things when you yourself don't know that thing, that's crazy, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a dangerous thing. And there's a lot there's a lot of folks out there doing that. You know, uh, it's like being Tons. a Yeah, it's like being a self-help guru, but you can't help yourself. That's funny. <laughs> you know, you I might actually just heard from a friend of mine about a girl that he knows that just got like a certificate in life coaching and she was <laughs> Yeah. We're gonna take a break here. I see this one. We'll be right back.
We wouldn't be able to keep the Who Move My Freedom podcast going without the support of a DAO or decentralized autonomous organization like Tusk Crypto. Tusk Cryptocurrency is a firearm-friendly e-commerce option for online payment transactions secured on the blockchain. So when you're in the crypto market, please consider Tusk, T-U-S-C. All right. So we're back here. I think, you know, this is this is kind of fun, man. So what kind of stuff do you I, I don't know if you have any questions or anything like that for me. We do have folks out here in the audience that seem to be having a good time. I don't I'm, I, I would have to scroll up to see if there's any particular questions. But, um, you know, what other so other you, you do training, right? You're in the gun world. Um, do you do any carpentry stuff anymore, man? Are you? No, are you I mean, so, just for fun. And I'm, I'm not uh -huh. above it by any means. Mm -hmm. uh, I, from the time I was single digit kid, I was pounding nails into things mm -hmm. and humping lumber for guys. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I, I respect the heck out of the men and women that, that, uh, work with their hands, farmers, gardeners, sailors, pipe fitters, whoever. Um, I used to, one of my businesses, we did a lot of grant work for construction and it ended up getting me this is part of what kind of got me involved in politics because I realized some of the processes through this I I uh, presented to the State Board of Education this is probably like in 2008 maybe mm -hmm. my my Illinois State uh, Department of Education and the reason that we did this is we were kind of pissed off that most of the schools had no trades programs anymore Every school teacher, every counselor, every yeah. professor, every dean, principal told kids, you got to go to college. Mm -hmm. um, I stand here or sit here. I've got some college that like co coursework. I'm an EMT. I've gone through the EMT program a few times at the college in my community. Mm -hmm. uh, I've done some, you know, little, little stuff. I've never gone to university or and I, and I have no degrees. And I managed to own multiple businesses in life. I managed to sit on the board of a, a preside over a large not-for-profit. I managed to become the vice chair of a political party. I managed to run campaigns and, and sit in a room where five governors asked me questions. Like, you, mm -hmm. it, it, I was pissed. Like, why are we screwing our kids? And now today, uh, we've got every construction person I know is trying to find young people to learn the trade so they yeah. can populate the business. So mm -hmm. that was a big problem I had. Um, for one, I was burnt out on it, but uh, the other side of the equation, all the men that worked with me were old enough to be my uncles or father. Mm -hmm. And most of those guys are sitting fishing somewhere now. Mm -hmm. So what do you, is there like, is there something that you do like to do that is like a hobby or, you know, dick jokes. I am, a, I am. A you want to be a comedian. You want to be a comedian. I, I cook. I, you know what I really like? Uh -huh. My wife and I. We travel a lot, so mm -hmm. I travel. I'm in like uh, anywhere from twenty to forty states a year working. Mm -hmm. And uh, what we try to do, I, I never work just to work. I wake mm -hmm. up. I'm grateful for for each day of living. And so as I travel around this nation, I probably the number one thing I do for fun is study our history. Okay. I've seen most of of the uh, great national landmarks, visited them. Most of the great na national and state parks. I've been to most of the great uh, civil war and revolutionary war battlefields. And um, something I've worked on for years is I visited and uh, 
said thank you at the graves of most of our 56 signers of our declaration. So that's something that moves me deeply uh, visiting these places. So that that's probably you know something I would say is mm -hmm. something I find great enjoyment and peace in. Yeah, yeah, I dig that. You know, something that came to mind. You know, would you ever consider running for office? I know you said you were involved in politics before. Did you hold like uh, office? Uh, no, not okay. interested in that. Okay, for a couple perspectives, mm -hmm. um, I don't play well with others. Um, I think that my talents in that arena are best. Could I? Yeah. Would I win? Maybe. Uh, would I be good at it? Maybe. I would rather help people. Like my, my wife is suited to a nine to five. She would hate me saying that, but she, mm -hmm. she recently um, hung it up after 20, 21 years at the same office that she went from like the lowest job there to the like third in line to the CEO. She was a director there, put herself through college. She's a hardworking lady. I, I am not that guy that shows up and like does the grind. I work very hard, but. Uh, I mean, I think being, you have the, I think you have all the skills. Like I don't think the necessarily, you know, that like does don't work well with others thing is necessarily. What I mean, what I mean by that is mm -hmm. like, uh, I don't go to offices and like, yeah, you tell, you tell some politician to go fuck themselves. Probably. I have literally told many politicians <laughs> to go fuck themselves. I, That's good I, I though, man. A, we need that. I, I, I was in a, uh, I was at a wedding one time a few years ago and I'm talking to this, uh, probably 60 ish lady, very pretty, nicely dressed at the wedding. And she's asking me what I do. We're both sipping on a drink. And I have this whole stupid spiel. I tell people about how I'm an exotic dance instructor, how I travel around, how I teach men to interpret uh, themselves through the movement of their hips. So I'm going on and on and on and on. And she's just she loves it. She's all about it. I don't know who this lady is. Her right. husband comes over 60 ish looking silver fox, well dressed, you know, his suit probably costs more than my truck. And she's like, oh, you got to tell my husband what you do. So I start telling him this story. And I'm just like straight face drinking my beer. My wife's standing there like you're an idiot. And I go, what do you guys do? Uh, she's a she was an appellate judge uh, and he was a state Supreme Court justice. And I remember looking just like, you know, but then later, later they, we talked and she just thought it was hilarious because usually they're used to people just, you know, stroking right. them and not. Yeah. Be in themselves. So would right. I run? Um, not interested. Uh, I have been very successful at helping others. Um, so if somebody's listening to you that's running for office, I will volunteer our resources and abilities to help direct people on how to do that. I feel right now what I'm doing is the highest use of my time and energies. I never know what the future holds, though, but. Yeah, no. I was after an answer. No, absolutely, that's cool. Yeah, Lola gets mad at me all the time because I tell people, like, people ask me, oh, what do you do? I go, like, I pull triggers. You know, I say, oh, I'm a nice. hitman, or say something stupid, you know? Because most people, like, you know, like, if you say YouTuber, well, first of all, I started as a YouTuber, I think I started back in, like, 2013 or something. And if you said you're a YouTuber, okay. people were like, so you're just lazy. You just don't want to do anything, do you? 
You just don't want... Now, YouTuber is what kids in high school say that that's what they want to be, right? When they grow Why up. Yeah. yeah. So it always gets complicated, you know? And then people are like, oh, what do you do? What do you do on YouTube? Okay, I shoot guns. Then it becomes, becomes a whole thing, which sometimes that gets heated with certain people, you know? So and, I hear you're, you're an adult educator. Right. Adult educator. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I, t- I just tell people whatever craziness comes into my head. And then Lola's like, why, why do you, why do you do that? <laughs> you know, what, why do you talk to people like that? But yeah, it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not embarrassed of this. It's just that there's folks out there that can't deal. Like if I was talking to someone, I say, Oh, what do you do? And he's like, Oh, I'm part of the anti-gun lobby. I'm not going to start, you know, I'm not going to start punching that person or whatever. I would actually love to sit down with that guy, and I do yeah. do that, and mm-hmm. I say, dude, I'm the exact opposite. I'm the mm-hmm. pro-gun guy. Yeah. I'm the guy you hate. Let's let's shoot the fat. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the thing, you know, so it's, I don't know, it's just one of those things, and then pl- plus I'm just probably mischievous or something like that, you know, or what Lola calls evil. Um, she said, Lola says, when it comes to school teachers, would Mickey would be, be willing to give teachers firearms training? What do you think about that in light of all the stuff happening? I have and I will. Um, and if we want to talk for a second on that, I definitely have. I definitely will continue to train anybody that's lawfully uh, able to possess a firearm. Uh, none of what's gone on the solution is not new. It's been known as long as man has sharpened sticks and poked each other. If you go back to any civilization, we built forts, uh, we secured said forts, we built cities, we put walls around the cities. Basic security uh, that is well known, the Marine Corps does a great job at it. The Marine Corps, as most of you listeners know, are in charge of like embassy security and things like that. We build concentric circles. If we just hardened the school buildings, Mm -hmm. I've gone to schools and talked to civics classes, modern schools that have controls, ingress and egress, the ability to enter and leave the school. People just are lazy and they don't monitor it. We joke in my industry, uh, we call it security theater. Most security is theater, meaning it is just there to make you feel a certain way. And most of that only protects or rather stops the just it's kind of like when you see one of those things that says like hidden camera present you know there's no hidden camera present there wouldn't be a sign that said hidden camera it's there because it's ten dollar sign and they're hoping to make somebody go "Ooh, i'm not going to graffiti the wall i used to work in security in that hospital like i was telling you and we put up a bunch of dummy cameras all over the building like literally Mm -hmm. It was a weird, it's a weird thing. There were cameras that were up so people could see it and think something was being recorded. And then, mm-hmm. there, and then secret cameras. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a complete joke. Why, so, you know, what's, why do you think that even when, when this kind of stuff comes up, right? Obviously folks have all the political things that they're trying to do in creating new laws. Why is it no one, not even the folks on our side of the aisle, right? Not even guys who, you know, the the politicians out there. Let's put it that way. That's probably a better way to put it. How come even the politicians on our side really aren't serious about hardening the schools? Here in Florida, we had the uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas thing. We had a bunch of gun laws went into effect here in Florida. We haven't even we haven't even put that that kid on trial yet. 
You well, know, let's, a trial let's hasn't talk, even happened. Let's talk about whose job that is. It's not mm-hmm. the federal fucking government's job to do anything. Pardon my language. I get heated in the school in my community. We have the 10th Amendment, right? It reserves the rights of anything that the federal government, not in their purview, it's to the states. Our Constitution was set up for most everything to be sorted out by the states. Federal government was not intended to do any of that stuff. Franklin Roosevelt comes on the scene, creates this new deal with all this shit that we now have adopted as fact. Whose job is it to harden the school? It's it's you. The mom and the dad need to be at the local school board meeting. And I've helped people get on school boards as well. The superintendent, the school board, the deans, the principal, the people that you employ, that you put in charge of the school, it's you need to figure out how to do that. Mm -hmm. The concept or this fallacy of, oh, we've got all these veterans, just employ the veterans. I don't know one veteran that is combat capable. I don't know one. And I know tons of guys. So it can't be any veteran. Mm-hmm. It's got to be somebody that's infantry background or, or something of that nature that understands fighting. I don't know one that wants to sit in a freaking school all day with a rifle slung on. Mm-hmm. And then like this construct of people saying, oh, we sent all this money to um, the Ukraine. If we brought that here, that's enough for four SWAT cops at every school. That's bullshit because they have no concept of things like. You know, they, they break it down into these sophomoric numbers. And I'm sorry if I sound heated, but I just mm-hmm. hate that people on our side put this shit out there. You've got management costs. You have insurance costs. You have taxation. You've got really what would happen is you'd end up maybe putting one police officer in every school for twenty or $30,000 a year, not four at eighty grand, because that's just how it works. Mm-hmm. Uh because you need people to manage and actually produce this program, and, and a lot of places a, we already, in a lot of places we already have that. Like, sure, there's already at least sure. one, but that one cop would be in. In if if even one kid, you know, or one person that wanted to create a lot of damage could do could take that one cop out. You know, it's a hundred percent. Not to mention, you think of an average school school my kids went yeah. to it take you 10 minutes to go from one side of the school to the other at a run mm-hmm. so one person it's just like when you worked at the hospital you probably had more than you there because you can't mm-hmm. cover the whole building mm-hmm. so or I multiple too, buildings which a lot of yeah, schools multiple are nowadays buildings. yeah yeah so i think too often we look at these things and we're trying to find like some plug and play answer mm-hmm. Safety's not a plug and play um the next thing you know, we're going to see if guns become illegal, you will see people using vehicles much more often to just slam into a building. Take your car at 80 miles an hour and slam into a building. You're going to kill people. And that kind of stuff is done and has been done many times. We have multiple problems here. Parents, uh, we have access to firearms that shouldn't be. If you own a gun, it's your job to keep that gun out of the hands of somebody that shouldn't have it. So if you've got some asshole teenager in your house that's got murder in his heart, not only love them enough to get them help, but love them enough. Pay attention. Allow them. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Pay attention. Exactly. It's on, it is on you. It is on you. Yeah. Right? So yeah. I think the teachers, I think there's some teachers I don't want to I don't I don't think it should be required for a teacher to have a gun. I think if there's some teacher that's willing to go through. Here's the thing. People think some policeman in a school. I train cops all the time. 
sorry, folks, most of the students that I train, and not because they're Mickey students, but because people that train with guns on the regular, the average armed citizen that goes to a class for somebody like Chris that you brought up or one of my friends mm -hmm. uh, is a hundred times more skilled in weapons craft than most police officers. If that pisses a cop off that's online or watching, that cop is not being honest because most police officers across this country shoot about a hundred rounds a year. Yeah. That's not the, that's not the cop's fault. That's not the police chief's fault. That's we, the people's fault, because we have turned law enforcement into healthcare workers. We've turned them into social workers. We've turned them into cat in a tree collectors. We've, I got buddies that tell me that, that people call 911 because their kids won't put their shoes on and go to the bus. No shit. Mm -hmm. 911, what's your emergency? My son will not put his shoes on and go to the bus. He's not listening. Like, why? What? When I was a kid, if you push 911 and it wasn't an emergency, it better be I freaking serious. <laughs> I, yeah, I thought I was getting in really bad trouble, right? Mm -hmm. So, we, the people, have created this situation where the cops aren't trained in what we want them to be trained for. We're hiring police people, men and women, that are not good at doing rough shit. We hire people based on their credit score and their ability to uh, show up to work on time, which is important in some capacity. But when it comes down to it, we expect these people to rush into danger and to do really bad shit to bad people. Well, I need to hire somebody that's got the aptitude and the desire in a sense to be willing to punch people in the face and get punched so even you know i mean not to interrupt you forgive me for that but no, please i'm i'm jaw jacking on your even, show no man no this is you know i think it's a good conversation but even like for me you know personally i live out in the country right and uh you know we've got we've got a sheriff and deputies and stuff like that and i actually went um to do some stuff one of my friends his dad was a swat team leader and he came out here and he volunteered to teach my my deputies and i went out there to meet him and be part and you know sit in on the class and stuff my my deputies the ones that had ars either didn't have the right optics on it or didn't have them optics sound backwards yeah man they you know they didn't have it uh sighted in at the right distance it was so crazy and this is this is what's happening. Now, flip that over to New York City, for example. How many places are there in New York City that police officers could even go shoot? I don't think people yeah. have not even really even thought about that. I think there's one or two maybe in New York City. There's no way all the police officers in New York City are going to get the time they need behind a gun to do training or, or even target practice, right? It's just there's weird stuff going on, and, and we on all sides, people just don't want to face what it will actually take to do it. The, I think the big issue is who we hire. Check this mm -hmm. out. I just thought of this. I have this quote in one of our course curriculums in our rifle class. Uh, the great body of our citizens shoot less as time goes on. We should encourage rifle practice among schoolboys and among in all classes as well as in the military services by every means of our power. Thus and not otherwise may we be able to assist in preserving peace in the world. The first step in the direction of preparation to avert war if possible and to be fit for war if it should come is to teach men to shoot. That wasn't recently. That was Teddy Roosevelt said that uh, after the Spanish-American War. Yeah. So, like, even then, the, I, we have 
we have bred. Mm-hmm. No, you're good. You got like 25 we seconds. Have, Go ahead. We have bred that out of our society, and that's dads and moms doing that. We're we're no longer a class of of citizen soldiers. That and that's something I aim to change in my sphere of control and and uh, who listens to my little thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. I agree. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back here. I have some some stuff I want to add. The Who Moved My Freedom podcast is made possible by our partners at 2A Commerce. Veteran owned and with over 20 years experience, 2A Commerce is the leader in custom e-commerce and web application development in the shooting sports industry. Clients include major brands such as Guard Dog Body Armor, Sylvan Arms, AccuFire Technologies, The Tactical Games, Warrior Knife Company, and yours truly, Hank Strange. Visit 2A Commerce and support this show by supporting them. Once again, visit the number 2acommerce.com. Yeah, you know what that made me think of, Mickey? Sevis uh, Passum Parabellum. Yeah. Right? You know, if you seek peace, prepare for war, right? 100%. Yeah. 100%. So, I think so there's a lot of, like, cute isms like that. Right. Like an armed, armed society is a polite society. <laughs> okay, go, to, go look at Brazil because that's an armed society and you see some horrific street crimes there uh, on the daily or Mexico. Um, so I think we can't always be so simplistic. We need to teach children to look at what's going on in Chicago. I've got a buddy that's uh, uh, in one of the suburbs, but he's on a major crimes task force. So they deal with a lot of gang crimes. Our state just passed a ghost gun ban. Friends of mine are the owners at Polymer 80. Their guns are now illegal, will be when the law goes into effect in the state of Illinois. So unserialized, like 80% pistol rifles. Uh, There is a scourge. He sends me pictures of them taking these things off the streets. And a lot of guys that are like us think, oh, this law sucks because they would never use these guns for these crimes, nor do they see how often that they're used. But the inner city gang violence going on in America, it makes the the horrible things that have happened in schools look like a drop in the bucket, the amount of bloodshed that happens. I mean, just look at every year how many hundreds of people are murdered in Chicago uh, right. with gang violence. Yeah, I don't, you know what, I don't doubt that there's things like polymer 80s being um, used in crimes. I don't doubt it because I think at the end of the day, criminals are uh very enterprising right so even if we i'm I'm against that i'm against it being banned though the thing is even if we ban it the genie is already out of the bottle these guys are going to come up with ways of doing things right so Mm -hmm. then what do you do about it well when you find this you need to actually prosecute people you know and you need you need to actually go after these guys i agree with you we do have a gang problem right in america in lots of places, but in those same places, the politicians there, whoever they are, are not willing to actually go after people and put these people away and keep them away. You know, which is a we the people problem again. Who yeah. voted in the state's attorney? Right, that's letting these dirtbags go. I mean, I know a guy out here in our area that is very fond of finding these massage parlors where they're giving dudes a little rub and tug. Mm-hmm. And they put it all over the internet like it's sex trafficking. It's not. It's some lady that's trying to pay her rent 
and she's doing shit she shouldn't at a massage parlor. And then then they're slapping guys on the wrist for like some of these major yeah. crimes. And it's like, how is this analogous? Or <laughs> yeah, how is a happy busted? ending? Yeah, a happy yeah. ending. That's saving the world, in my opinion, to be honest. Yeah. Are, are yeah. All the all the guys that have gotten locked up for weed. I don't mm-hmm. smoke weed. I don't care if somebody smokes weed. I think uh, liberty. I am a liberty minded person. The amount of taxes that everybody that argues legalize it and tax it. I say, fuck you. Legalize it and don't tax it. Just like alcohol is so taxed. It's 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 incredible. But uh, we fill our jails full of people that sell dope weed. And then we are letting guys out that have committed violent felonies. It doesn't doesn't make sense. No, and we're not that, doing anything about it. We're no, not. There's a. I know that there's a lot of bad people that are in jail, but there's also a lot of people that should be locked up that are not, and they're mm-hmm. not. Uh, it's not the cops' fault either, because I know tons of cops that are out there trying to pick these guys up, and they say, "I see the same guy three weeks later." And they're like, why is this person back out on the street? Yeah. We picked him up for two or three felony charges. Yeah. yeah. Why? And, and, and we do see this all the time. It's, it's just a really weird thing, man. There's so many cases where you see that, hey, this, you caught this guy out there with a gun. Forget about an 80 percenter, right? But I don't doubt that it happens. I believe you that it happens, right? Uh, you caught this guy with a gun committing a crime. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> Why is he mm-hmm. why is he back on the streets with everyone else? And why is all of a sudden the solution to that is to make it more difficult to, to layer more laws on top of people in America that are actually law abiding and follow the laws? I mean, uh, I would say in America, man, we have a, a mega crap ton of laws when it comes to firearms. And that yeah. on its, that on its own is not solving anything or stopping anything. Right. I think we've got a real moral issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a, a uh, law enforcement officer uh, officers shoot a felon. Felon's got a uh, funeral. The dead felon, deceased felon, has got his funeral underway. And like gang, another rival gang drove up and shot the heck out of the funeral. Like the family that's out there burying this deceased person. Mm-hmm. And it, the media pitched it as in like it was like somehow the police had something to do with it or that it was the guns. Like nobody said a gang member got shot by police during the commission of a crime. And that sentence next sentence while being buried, rival gang comes up and illegally criminally just starts spraying a cemetery full of bullets. Like mm-hmm. instead of just saying it like it was, it's like guns are bad. The cops killed some. Like that was the story. Like, wait a wait a minute here. We got like a, a real problem with the truth and with yeah. just shoot shoot straight. Well, that's the narrative nowadays. You know, I think we we tend to do these massive swings in directions, right? So I think that for sure there's been times in America when you've had uh you know, people that abuse their powers or their whatever it is as police officers, right? Mm-hmm. We've had that. For we've sure. had we've had police officers be criminals, do all kinds of things. My what always, I was, always will too. Yes, and what I say about that is do the same thing I'm saying here. If you know a police officer is bad and they're doing something bad, they need to be severely punished, right? 
no one should become a police officer thinking they're going to get away with that. But we're letting those guys get away with it. And it's the mm-hmm. same thing that we're doing with criminals because you don't want to you don't want to aggressively go after the criminals either. But at the end of the day, if you really care about the people, uh, the law abiding people in in your state, your city, your town or whatever it is, most of the people that fall into that category, most people just want to have their job you know, take care of their family and, and, and try to better themselves and their family and do things. When you layer laws on top of stuff, that's who you go after. And then at the end of the day, the criminals just keep doing whatever they're doing and no one goes after them. At some point, you have to go after them and run the risk that someone say, oh, police violence, you know, you're killing these people. Those people are killing people. Well, they did do that. Los Angeles did it. I mean, the Los Angeles had a badass unit the special investigation unit, the LAPD had. These guys were like studs that went out and hunted bad men. New York, uh, NYPD had it. Jim Cirillo led up uh, their their task force back in the 60s and 70s era when they had these crazy crime sprees happening where stores were being held up on the regular. And they literally became hunters, like mm-hmm. these units of like tough men, all expert marksmen, and they were a lot of them veterans and they took those skills and just cities. These cities became like Gotham. I think it's important people study these stories. Look up L.A. and look up New York. Chicago had them as well. And yeah. they began to hunt, hunt these men rapidly because the public started going to mayors and city councils and saying enough's enough. Uh, we got to do something about it. Portland, Oregon. And there's a story in Portland in the 1980s, a gang goes and gets in a gunfight with a group of like 15 army rangers that were stationed up there, second battalion rangers. This guy's got a house in Portland and there's a picnic underway. The police would do nothing. This is during the crack epidemic. And this guy's trying to keep his neighborhood clean. I think there's a video. There's a video about this out there. It's a very famous story. Mm -hmm. But like people don't think about that, that, that this crime shit has ebbed and flowed. And I think what's happened is now we've got a spotlight and a microscope on it. We've got the spotlight because everybody's paying attention to these mass murder scenarios where psychos are going in and shooting up schools, churches, grocery stores, etc. While they are happening on the regular, it's still a tiny fraction of uh, the murders going on in the world, going on in our country as well, not Mm -hmm. diminishing them in any way, shape, or form. But because we're paying attention to it, it's kind of like trying to find a tick on your dog. It's a little tiny thing, but you're looking really hard for it, mm-hmm. right? Or that you're at the dock trying to trying yeah. to find a mole on you. They're looking for it. They got the lights. They know what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And because of that, and with social media, the stuff is just blasted. So we feel like, and again, not diminishing it, we feel like it's happening every five seconds. We feel like the world's full of psychos trying to murder people. And by and large, most people, you said it earlier, I think are pretty good. I think most people want to help somebody change a tire. I think most people want to hold the door for an old lady. I think most people want to say please and thank you and do the right thing. I really do. Um, I think we've just kind of lost our way. Yeah, for sure. There's a there's this uh, magnifier on the, the broken, crazy, twisted, uh, evil people. But there, there's... there's um. 
there's not really much that we could do about it. I'm not saying we can't do things about it, but there's not really much. And, and the reason why it seems to everyone that it's getting worse and worse, I think that a lot of times those folks are just put on a bunch of, uh, of drugs that just, just make them even crazier. And eventually you're going to come across these people and they don't care. However, they are going to inflict uh, the worst things on other human beings are going to do it. So you see people mm -hmm. pushing someone into a subway, you know, a big massive guy's beating the living daylights out of an old lady. Uh, uh, this... Somebody goes into, a, goes into a doctor's office the other day and kills mm -hmm. several people with a knife. Yeah, you know, or you you get just a, a, a broken kid who decides to kill other little tiny children. I mean, you're, you're not dealing with anyone rational. There's no way to stop him from, like you said, taking his car or chaining the doors in the school and setting the school on fire or doing anything else crazy, except maybe in that moment someone is there to fight back against that person. And then maybe we, we look at what's happening in the country and why we're, we're, we think we're seeing it more and more. I think we've always had broken people in society. Maybe it was easier a long time ago. If everyone knew this guy was a nutcase, you know, it was there's easier. Lot, there's to a lot more of us. Yeah, there's, a, right? there's, there's more so of many, us. There's so many more people. Yeah, so there's more there was, of us. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a scientist, but if it used to be one in a million, well, mm -hmm. there's a lot more millions of people for there to be that one lunatic in. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, we we have to realize at some point to really do something about this. Layering laws on top of laws are not going to make any difference. If it would have done that, it would have done it in the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years of laws. Laws, laws can find the just. Mm -hmm. That's all that laws only can find the just. And then they give us a means of punishing the wicked. That's it. Mm -hmm. They never they don't stop wicked people. As you just said, they, they give us a means to punish them and they, they give the just lines to paint inside of. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, there's something I do want to talk about before. I know we've got we've not got that much time, but um, there's one of the things that when you were coming on, I went to I was looking I was looking at your videos. You know, I was uh, YouTube stalking you a little bit. And one of your videos uh, came across my radar where you were talking about what happens when you get pulled over and uh, like how to react <laughs> to when you get pulled over by a cop. Do you remember, do you know what I'm talking about? Of course I do. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was a great video. I thought it was funny and all that kind of stuff. But I happened to have gotten pulled over myself. And that was like, uh, for whatever crazy reason, one of the biggest videos that I put up on my YouTube channel. Um what did you film yourself getting pulled over? No. So what happened here is that, um, you know, when I got pulled over, the deputies, they had their camera, they had their camera stuff going. But what mm -hmm. happened in my story was that um, I actually, my, my car radar detector was going off like crazy and I saw about 30 police cars. So I was, I uh, had taken my dad, it was, um, I think it was like Easter Sunday and had taken my dad to the airport and I was driving back and I saw these, I was not breaking the speed limit or anything because all the warning things are going off. But what happened is that there is close to where I live, every Easter Sunday, there's a family there that has this big, massive barbecue. And they're a black family. A lot of black people come out to that thing. There's rappers. It gets really crazy. There's a lot of people. They rush stores and they create all kinds of problems. So the, the deputies from that particular department, what they do about it is they pull anyone they see driving through that area that's black. They pull them over. Right. 
And that's what happened to me. And I didn't realize that because um, on wait, you're black. Yeah, you know, amongst amongst a lot of things. But what the reason why, because you asked about how I got the footage. So this thing happened to me. And um, there's a friend of mine who was actually in that department. And he told me why, because I didn't know why it happened. I didn't know why they pulled mm -hmm. me over. This department makes you get out of your car. Like they had me on uh, my hands on the hood of their car and all that kind of stuff. It was, it was a whole thing. There's a video on it. But he said, hey, they did this. A friend of mine that's white that was in that department said they did this to you because of the color of your skin. And I think you should get that video and show it to people because what they're doing I don't think is right. So that's why I wound up putting it out there. Um, so that's how I actually got the, the footage. I got it from them because okay. th that department has to give it to you. He told me. He walked me through the whole process. He was like, sure. if you go there, give you them the money. Yeah, if you give them the money and say, yes, I want the copy of the video that you guys have on me. And so that's how I wound up putting it up there. And the the thing that happened that was really that I wasn't happy about in my situation is that the police officer asked me if I if I was armed, which I was armed. I made one of those mistakes in your video because, you know, if someone says, are you armed? Do you immediately want to go? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am armed. You make moves or whatever. But. So he asked me if I was armed, and then I said yes. I said I have a CCW. They insisted on disarming me, and mm -hmm. then he went and ran my uh, – he took, he took the, the gun from me, ran my CCW. They told him that guy has a valid uh, CCW, and so then the he ran – the police officer, mm -hmm. like did they cuff you? No, they didn't cuff me. They had me with my hands on their – like they had and a And then they reached into your holster and drew the gun? Yes, Yes. I had a hard time with that, man. Yeah, I I wasn't happy about it. Like they said, oh, we don't feel comfortable, even though they all had like body armor and guns. I was like, you guys don't feel comfortable. And I wasn't right. I wasn't committing. The, the thing that happened is when I got pulled over, I was in the middle of two other cars. So there's a car in front of me and a car behind me. And the guy that pulled me over, you can see in the video, he was on the other side of the road. He had like a young black woman pulled over. And so when a bunch I went, of creamy, creamy ass white people were in front behind you. Is that what you're saying? Yes, yes. And when I drove by, there were spotters. Like there were some cops. I hate sitting. hearing this shit, man. There were some cops in their car, right? And they were literally spotting. Like they had like binoculars. And when they saw me go by, they called that guy, and he left that woman and turned around and pulled me over in two other cars, one in front and one in back. And then they told them, "No, we don't want you. We want that guy in the middle." So, do you have a uh, dash cam in your car? Uh, no, I didn't at the time. I do now. Do you now? I recommend everybody. I mean, for a hundred bucks, you can get a three sixty dash cam. I've got a friend, Stan Campbell. He owns CCW Safe. I've been holding mm -hmm. their water mm -hmm. bottle this whole time. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see that. Let's see that again. Because yeah, CCW uh, Safe. I oh, recommend okay, cool. that above, above all the CCW kind of. They're not an insurance company, but oh, okay, they are. For all intents and purposes, you could consider it to be such more of your like mm -hmm. a member. Mm -hmm. But Lifer Cop, the guys mm -hmm. that own that company are Lifer Cop. Stan's actually African American. Uh, he created an app. It's called Dope D O P E, mm -hmm. and it stands mm -hmm. for something. The app you get pulled over, you turn dope on. Dope starts recording audio video. It tells you what to do. Uh, depending on where you're at, but it literally walks you through like, like in big bullet points, turn on interior lights, put hand on steering wheel, like et cetera. Mm. It also 
uploads the footage to the cloud. So it's not just on your phone in case something happened to your phone. Mm -hmm. uh, it's cheap. It's like a monthly fee, but uh, it's, a, it's not a lot of money at all. And then there's a bunch of training videos that the program gives you that uh, one, you can practice, which I think you should practice, just like you practice the draw stroke or you practice communicating, you, mm -hmm. it allows you to mm -hmm. uh, kind of work through that. Mm -hmm. So anyway, you didn't ask me about that, but that's what came to mind because it's a cool yeah. program. No, no, that's what I, no. That's what, what I like is in real time, that footage gets stored in the cloud. Yes, so that I like that too. Got it. Yeah, things do somehow mysteriously wind up uh, disappearing, and we're going to wind up taking a break here in thirty seconds. But we're going to come back. the The funny thing is, is that I I posted this stuff, and after the guy ran my CCW and they told him that I was good, he still ran the serial numbers off my Glock. So when I posted the video, fishing uh, expedition. Yeah, when I posted the video, the whole department got retrained and they actually stopped doing that. They uh, you know, they they got into trouble over that thing. So, I'm going to we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back here and wrap that story up. We wouldn't be able to keep the Who Moved My Freedom podcast going without the support of manufacturers like Safety Harbor Firearms. SHF is a quintessential family-owned small business totally representative of the American dream. Safety Harbor Firearms is a Florida-based manufacturer of the compact entry stock and the SHTF 50 upper for an AR-15 lower. Also, SHF happily delivers on your Sten Gun parts needs. So don't forget to check out StenParts.com and SafetyHarborFirearms.com. Yeah, so this is the quick thing. I, I, you know, we don't have that much time. Uh, but the quick thing about that is when I put up the video of what happened and I explained to people, there were a lot of people mad, like, why did you comply with these guys? Why did you let them disarm you when you let them do this? I think I've been pulled over a lot. I grew up in New York City. I've had cops rob me. I've had cops point guns at my heads and all that at my head and all that kind of stuff. But when you see when there's about 30 cops out there and you get pulled over by seven different uh, vehicles and all that kind of stuff, I think you're pretty much going to think like I literally just wanted to get back to my kids, you know, and at that, at that <laughs> point. If you're involved in that, you did the right thing. Be a good witness. Record mm -hmm. it because we have all these devices, mm -hmm. and that's that's the last point to mm -hmm. make a Alamo stand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. People I did. Idi people are idiots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, dude. I actually felt. You know, I live here, right? And I felt. I'm sorry, that happened to you. Listen, a lot of my friends are in law enforcement. When they see that video, they get mad. I've been all over the country, and people see that video, they're in law enforcement, and they're like, that's the craziest thing that I've ever so seen. Occasion so occasionally I've had black folk tell me, you don't know what it's like. Mm -hmm. I've been cuffed up, and I was locked for about three hours in a police station as like a 20-year-old. Mm -hmm. I was 18. Being accused of poaching deer, mm -hmm. I was pulled over, told that I had a warrant for my arrest. I didn't. And then they said, oh, it's for somebody else that drives the same vehicle. Okay, sorry that you're looking for me. Oh, it's for your brother. My brother's deployed with the U.S. Army. It's not him. And my brother's not registered on this vehicle. Hey, what's that behind you? It's a flood lamp. I'm in a big van full of construction equipment. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. for poaching deer. Uh, that's not what I use it for. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. Can They're I just fishing. It? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Can I see it? Sure. I hit it to the guy. He goes, this is now property of the police department if you want it come in 
and talk to the chief. I'm like, you can't take it. And he's like, what are you going to do about it? So I go in there the next day. The chief's like, take a seat. I take a seat. He walks behind me, grabs my hands and cuffs me behind the fucking chair. No joke. And then they bring a couple dudes in and try to shake me down, showing me pictures of a poached animal, a poached deer. Mm -hmm. And they're like, did you do this? No, sir. Did you do this? No, sir. Wouldn't let me call anybody. So I've been in this situation as Mm -hmm. well. Yeah. So it's part of yeah. the, part of the reason that I've done some of the things with politics that I mm-hmm. have. We had a crook, crooked sheriff that we got out of office and put another sheriff in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, listen, I you know I've gone through things or whatever, and I think for sure there's some racist uh, people out there, or whatever. We're human beings. Is we're not all good. There's some terrible people. But yeah, in, in my opinion, I think anyone is capable of getting pulled over. There are folks who become cops just to be bullies. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, or pastors yeah. or school teachers yeah. Yeah. or yeah, gym coaches. <laughs> yeah. 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 When I was looking at your video, I was just it just like brought that whole thing back. I honestly did not want to post that video because I live here and I didn't want to get into stuff. But at, at the end of it, I'm glad that I did. And I know that's why my friend asked me to do it, because he was like, listen, man, I think what they're doing is wrong, but I don't have the ability to fight it. You just went through it. You can actually do something about that, and I think that's what I dig it. Yeah, that's what came out of it in the end. Listen, man, I've I've taken up a lot of your time, but I've I've personally enjoyed the conversation. We've never Thank met each too. other. Yeah, we've never met before. So hopefully, it wasn't so horrible that you will actually come back here. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. It was a great time. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Here's what I do want to do. I want to um, give you a chance to tell the folks out there. Like how they can, you know, how can they support you? Where are the places they can go to find out more about you? I appreciate that. Any, I would rather, rather than talk about myself, I would challenge you, the listener, to one single thing. So Carry Trainer is the brand. Punch that into YouTube, Instagram, Google. You'll find us, Carry Trainer, carrytrainer.com. Something I'm working on that I think is super important is challenging myself, but I'm also going to challenge you. Try it for a week. Do the right thing, whatever that means to you. Do the right thing. Take the hard right over the easy left. We talk about all this stuff that we've talked about, like making the world a better place. It, it, if we're not willing to do it ourselves, we can't expect our neighbor to do it. If we're not willing to do it ourselves, we can't expect a law to do it. If we're not willing to do it ourselves, we can't expect our sons and daughters to do it. If we're not willing to do it ourselves, we can't expect our politicians to force others to do it. And the right thing can mean anything from being kind to picking some trash up that you see in the parking lot to going the extra mile uh, with with helping somebody to going the extra mile with helping yourself. I've developed this mantra in my own head when I start to feel like I don't want to do something and I yell at myself in a positive way. I say, do the right thing, motherfucker. (laughs) <laughs> and, and, it, and it snaps me into that headspace. So find me if you want to, but I challenge you to force yourself. Try it for seven days. Anytime something comes up that you don't want to do, you want to eat something that you know you shouldn't, tell yourself, do the right thing. You want to be lazy instead of exercising, tell yourself, do the right thing. Your kids want you to read to them and you want to watch TV, shut the TV off and do the right thing and read them a book. Awesome. That's great. Appalachian Gunrunner said it was a great show. Here's what I'm going to do, though. I'm going to run in the end, and I'm actually going to come back and ask Mickey to give us some words of wisdom, which I think he kind of just did. But we're going to get, like, more words of wisdom out of here, if that's okay, Mickey. We're going to get words. That's what the final word is always words of wisdom from our guest. So 
yeah so you know if you need to if you need to go look that up real quick <laughs> i'm sure you, right. i'm I know, sure you don't I know exactly what i'm going to tell you you don't have a deficit i know i know that for sure that you don't have a deficit let me run in the end right now all right guys thanks so much for hanging out with us it's a great show uh we will see you guys back here tomorrow i think that we're gonna have we're gonna have on vincent sheffalu former atf agent will be joining us tomorrow so that should be a good show for you for you guys if you want to come back here and watch it so uh okay words of wisdom Nikki, what you got don't be so hard on yourself i think too often we uh you know the thing i just told you a minute ago about trying to do the right thing tries a, a word for losers don't try just fucking do it but i think too often we freaking uh hold ourselves to an impossible standard. We fuck something up, we mess something up, let it go. I think like we talked about earlier, it's pretty easy to develop a pattern of making alibis though, Mm -hmm. where you can't just say like, oh, I fucked up, it's okay, but you gotta let go of what was and drive on like this kid did. Mm -hmm. I mean, like if he just always did whatever he always did, this wouldn't have happened and he wouldn't have lost 74 pounds. Mm -hmm. So don't don't be so hard on yourself. Forgive yourself. Yeah, good stuff, man. Okay, stay right there. I'm going to press all the buttons to end this.